Good afternoon, and welcome to MGO Podcast. Welcome to MGO Podcast 15.3. This is an omni-branded podcast. (laughs) We are hegemonizing synergies in our pursuit of brand excellence. So hire us to be Michigan State football's head coach. We promise we won't drive it into the ground. best thing I can say about that game is that everybody else in America seemed to play it on Saturday. Alabama, mm-hmm. Georgia, Texas. I mean, Georgia kind of played a real opponent. Yeah, I and, guess. And it was in like, it looked like it was real. Narrative! We're setting the narrative. Do you know who played a real opponent last this, this weekend? Stanford. <laughs> no, they didn't. Stanford, but they didn't yes, well they either. did. Those Hornets have like they're they have a twenty-one game winning regular season winning streak. They've only lost playoff games. Oh, really? Years. Yes. Wow. Yeah, we're really getting into it. The Sacramento State Hornets. <laughs> Maybe are they should the be topic the topic of the MGO podcast. Maybe they should be the third team in the Pac-12 next year. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, you see, every- you can make good hot takes. <laughs> I'm trying to make. I'm trying to. We're trying would to do a podcast here. Are you trying to can read you, the sponsors? Is that just, what you're no, trying to do? No. Are you I trying was, to segue was, to the sponsors? No. No. I was. I was no, trying. To, I was trying to set a a, 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 a narrative. A, yeah, I was trying to like you know try to calm the people down. Set a narrative for this game. No, we're trying to calm the people, talking them off the ledge. Who's mad? Who's on the ledge for this thing? Do you know I get texts from the Sklars? <laughs> Oh, they, they're texting you now instead of me? They texted me a couple times. I didn't read them. Oh. Well, that's <laughs> why they, knew they, te- what they I knew what they contained. Yeah. They, they text me all They text me all game. That's yeah. the part of their shtick is that they just like, they're like the most negative people in the world during the game. Yeah. And, then and afterwards, and it's fine. And I can't, I can't handle that. Oh. How so do they, they text how, me during yeah. the game, I don't read it. Yeah. There, there are people that I have that do that too sometimes. And I'm kind of like, you know what? So we're talking them off the ledge. This is what I'm trying to do. Talk, talk the Sklars off the no, ledge. No, not the Sklars. The Sklars <laughs> cannot be talked off the ledge. They're just sort of perma-ledge they, people. They moved to the ledge. They no, get they, their they, mail on they, the they ledge. Were, yes, they were born on the ledge. They'll die on the born ledge. On the ledge. <laughs> Sounds like a but song. for people who can be talked off the ledge, I was trying to talk them off the ledge. Okay. Can we do that? Sure. Good. Take them off. Get them. All right. Go out and get... So... Don't worry about it. All right, let's talk to the sponsors. <laughs> talk about the sponsors. You should be a therapist. I should be a therapist. <laughs> I kind of am a therapist. Like people are like, oh, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to think until I read your column. And I'm like, that's disturbing. <laughs> anyway, we'd like to thank Underground Printing for making this all possible. Check them out at UGPMichiganApparel.com or check out our selection of shirts on the MGOblogstore.com. We'd also like to thank our associate sponsors, Peak Wealth Management, Matt Demarest, Realtor and Lender, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grant, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Human Element, Winewood Organics, Signal Wire, and Venue by Forum, where we are live right now. There is also a baby shower with a very pregnant woman in heels. It feels like that's every week, so. Well, this is Radical Acceptance with Brian Cook. 
So, Brian, tell me how to feel about this football game. <laughs> well, do you want to lean back first? <laughs> what? <laughs> now, I, now I feel like I'm under a lot of pressure. So how you should feel about this football game is, is you should just throw it in the memory hole and hope it doesn't recur. Or, or that a PGSU cornerback doesn't intercept it while did you're you, throwing it in the you, memory hole. Did you rewatch it at all? Like, yeah. Okay. So were there many plays that you were like really upset about? Yes. Many? Yes. Really? Yes. I didn't find many. I found a couple. I found plenty. I think the word is plenty. There were plenty were they in the run of game? plays to be mad about. Well, no. Dude, we can't start with that, though. All right. Bury the lead. I mean, we, no, we can't, we can't like be like, oh, JJ McJJ oh, for two straight weeks and then like not even like we're going to be like, oh, that's no problem. Anyway, McCarthy completes 11. <laughs> I was wondering which number. Passes. I was wondering which number you were going to say there. That's the good part. <laughs> the bad part is three of those were the Bowling Green Falcons. Uh huh. So uh, the first interception is in the end zone. He's throwing it to Roman Wilson, who he thinks is open, and A.J. Barner may be screening the defensive back who falls off and picks that off. Also, A.J. Barner is six foot six and standing in front of a bowling green corner. You could just throw it to A.J. Barner. True. That is an option. <laughs> interception number two. Well, let's stay on that one because that's okay. an interesting one. So I weren't, we weren't back and rewatched it a few times, and one of the things that we saw is that I think that it was zone coverage. Yes. And Wilson just keeps going. So, like, in the zone, against zone in that situation, don't you sit down in the back of the end zone then once you clear one of the zones? Like, you, because you can't run. I mean, that's what Michigan did to stop the OSU crossing routes is they brought in zone, right? Because they tried to play man-to-man and just chase them across the field. I mean, that was the Colorado-Colorado State game last night. But, and so in that situation, if you're coming across the back of the end zone... You settle down. If your safety leaves you, yes. And, and, and he, the safety was passing him off. And the, right. And I think that he didn't, rec- he didn't recognize the safety passed him off in time. And he was supposed to sit down in that little hole there. Also, like, I think A.J. Barner ran his route a little too deep. And, like, you're not – the whole reason that play works is that your cornerback is going to be too far – he's too close to the front of the end zone. Right. And how many times have you seen, like, them throw to the tight end there and the tight end just kind of, like, falls back into the end zone? Like, that's how so, you so – that's where, where the route should be. Where should he post up? On the two-yard line. On the two. Yeah. So he ended up about – I would say – I don't think that that's accurate. You don't think so? I don't think that you're going to get a, a, a route wrong by four yards. Because he was at least two yards into the end zone. He was about a yard or two, yeah. He wasn't too far in the end zone. But he was in the end zone. And, like, that's not... Dew on on Twitter was like, he needs to shut it down at the goal line. And I was like, he's like a step beyond that. I mean, what he needs to do is catch the ball because J.J. McCarthy threw it to him. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. But we're talking about, like, like how you set up the route so that people are open. He's He's got a defensive back on his butt. There's a... That's your best. That's your best throw. Do you think if it was Colson Loveland, JJ would have just recognized it and thrown it? I don't know, but like, there's no reason to even try Roman Wilson when you've got a guy who's boxing out someone half a foot shorter than him. Do you think that is a, a later read in the progression? No. You think that's the first read? I I would hope so. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to tell, but yeah, it feels like you just throw it to Barner there because he will score. A so touchdown. when he comes off the line, if it's there. Boom. Yeah. And if not, then you go, you check to... Why do you have a tight end on the field in that situation for that exact reason? Michigan doesn't really do that, though, do they? I mean, that's not like a contested, like, go up and get it catch. That's like 
Just a just a basic hook, right? Yeah, yeah. but but humor me here. I mean, no, he's okay. Fine, no no humoring. That's right. Okay, <laughs> I asked. We're a very serious podcast. I asked about the humoring, and I was shut down on the humoring, no, so I will no not be humoring. humored. <laughs> All right, fine. If I'll you, humor if you. Bring good humor. I'll give you an ice cream if, bar. If Barner, boo. boo, no, no high five for that. <laughs> he will not humor. He will not high five. <laughs> Would you Barn- high five for that? I, I I high five for everything, man. I'm just uh, a high five guy. He's just a happy fella. You're, you're, you need to uh, discriminate. That's not. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> Brian, this is the part where you stop. Talking. You need discernment. That's <laughs> what I. That's I, what I should. You need greater said. discernment. In I your will high humor five. you, Seth. Go. If AJ Barner does run that route shorter and he cuts it off at the goal line or cuts it off at the two and falls in, there's a plenty of space to throw it to William Irvin Wilson. No. Or B, he's still a humongous dude on a cornerback, and then he'll JJ will actually see that he's open instead of running into the cornerback. Okay, but we're talking about a small error versus a large error, and I feel if uh, Barner is a yard further upfield, instead of a interception, you get an interception because that was in the guy's chest. So you get instead of him catching it like in front of well, his he face threw mask, it. he catches it he up threw here. Threw it to Wilson. He didn't throw it to Barner. That's what I'm saying. Yes, that's what I, I mean. The that's not the right read. Yeah. No matter where AJ Barner is. Okay. Especially if Wilson is not sitting down in that zone. We did a lot of very visual podcasting in this segment. You signaled touchdown a couple times. No, I'm I'm signaling where he's catching the ball. And also, you tried to high five me. So you guys should, the listeners should incorporate that into their enjoyment of the podcast. I'm sure they're enjoying it immensely right yeah. now. So the the real conclusion is it was a bad read. That's my that's my feel. Okay, from watching the play. Okay, is that maybe Barner's route was a little bit off, but AJ Barner is the person you should be throwing it to. I can definitely get on board with Just that. Put it on the butt in the butt zone, and it's, it's over. Yep, ball game. All right, that's, All right. that's <sighs> interception number two. Is a deep shot to Cornelius Johnson. That is the incorrect person to throw the ball to. That is probably true. Yeah. And AJ, uh, not AJ, but Jake, but I'll uh, call this out on the broadcast. Very good job. We got a couple of uh, up and coming color guys who are pretty good because uh, I was watching Devin Gardner do the. Was it Idaho or something? He was out or Boise State game. I don't remember what he, he was doing. Yeah. But he was, he's, he's like. We did two games. He did the Maryland Virginia game. Yeah, he did. Yeah, that's, that's the one, one I was. Yeah. Uh, so I was, uh, he, he, did a, he did a great job at that. He's very. He's a. Uh, he and knows, yeah. He he knows football. He knows he knows stuff. And yeah, he'll tell you about it. Learned how to mic. Indeed. Um, but anyway, so you got two post routes, and one of them is Roman Wilson against the safety, who he wins easily inside because the safety is outside leverage and there's nobody left. Right. And then there's Cornelius Johnson, whose guy hops inside of him. So I, Seth and I were talking about this, and you have a really good. Yeah. Point. Yeah, so I think that Johnson gave up on the route because he saw Roman Wilson was going to get open and was like, well, Roman Wilson in the corner of the end zone. My job's done. I don't necessarily think that was the reason. I think he saw that the defensive back had inside leverage on him. He he didn't, though. He didn't have inside leverage until the ball was in the air. No, he did. He was following him on the outside, and if he cuts that inside where the ball was thrown to, that's a dig under a corner, and that is a – that's – I mean, the the whole – that's that's. I wouldn't say it's the correct read still. I'm I still just, with you that I, it's not I the correct read. I don't think so. But Cornelius Johnson has to fight to that ball because he did have inside leverage on that one. I, I don't agree. Okay. I, I think that the cornerback was always going to get there, and it didn't really matter what 
Cornelius Johnson was going to do. All right. Well, well, we'll wait for UFR for the, sure. the I mean, I'll yeah. watch it another seven times. I've <laughs> <laughs> already watched it seven times. But the real answer is that's Pastor Roman Wilson. Yeah. I mean, first of all, he's your fastest guy. He's not matched up on a corner. He's matched up on a safety. And and he's clearly won he's, it. He's open by half away into the route. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> so bad. Um, and then number three, actually, I don't have a problem with. Oh, please. No, I don't. Throw it away. No. Because okay. it's there. Like, if it's... That's a hard throw. You're running hard left. You I have mean, to pivot back. I don't care. Shoot your shot. Like, he had he had Colson Loveland for a 30-yard game. And he tried to get it to him, and he overthrew him, and like it's, it's, it's a hard throw. It is a hard throw. I don't care. Shoot your shot. That guy's open. Take the take the tough shot. Most of the time, that's going to not be an interception. Like most of the time, it's going to be either incomplete or thirty yard gain. So shoot your shot. In that context, you're probably right. In a close game context, nope, no. Shoot your you shot. Would, you would still do that. Yes. Like that's yeah. one of those interceptions where it's like ah, it's a punt. And you, your yeah. upside there is considerable. When it's thirty-one to six, I agree. I just if if you're in the Penn State game no, in when a tight it's game, seven to seven, you shoot that. You take that <sighs> because like to overshoot your tight end so that it goes an inch over his hand and goes directly into the safety's hands, that's a one in a million throw. He couldn't do that again if he tried. Because it would He's J.J. Either... McCarthy. Yeah, he might be able to, to do it if no. he tried. Did you listen to the first two podcasts? <laughs> yeah. okay. But like 99 times out of 100, like either it's out of bounds or it's complete or it's close enough to Loveland that he gets a finger on it and just falls incomplete. Like he... Or it's so overthrown that nobody can get to it. He, wasn't he hit, there a second guy beyond the first guy? No, there wasn't. And so he hit like the the interception window, which is the smallest of all windows on that play. So he actually made the hardest throw? He did. <laughs> so I don't I don't have a problem with that one at all. Seth? I, I'm I'm not the one doing the UFR. If you want to give him a DO for that. That's no, all. I'm not giving him a <laughs> DO for that. But in terms of like decision making, we have two clearly wrong decisions. And yeah. then yeah. I'm completely fine with his decision to try Colson Loveland on that. Um, I was actually more concerned about the touchdown throw to Cornelius Johnson because that was underthrown on a yeah. – and, and Wilson is also open. And Wilson is also wide open. Like that was a bad read and a bad throw yep. off a flea flicker, which like – Well, it's a flea flicker, so you get so, – so whatever happens is going to be good, Seth. Part of the, fl- <laughs> part of the fleeing – And I think he knew that. Before like, whatever. It's a flea flicker. It's a touchdown. Before the flicking of the fleas, Corum, like I thought, did not even sell the run at all. Like he, he gets the ball and like basically hands it back to yeah, him, and mm-hmm. you're like, "Well, you gotta like kind of sell the run." Yeah, it was it was too quick. Yeah, it's like the what was the Big Ten championship fake yeah. flea flicker where the guy like really sells it. Yeah. Like that's what that's what you need to do. Now they're calling a flea flicker in what the mid to late third quarter. Yeah. of a blowout. So if they're whatever, putting the flea but. flicker back, I mean, they obviously people know we run a flea flicker. If they're putting the flea flicker back on tape, are they setting up the fake flea flicker? I don't know. But this just kind of goes back to like, this is something for the third segment. But the, the way this team has been coached is really strange. Well, well <clears throat> there's a lot to that, Brian. Yeah. I don't, I, four I, head coaches. I don't think that those. has anything to do yeah. with Harbaugh's suspension. I okay. I think he's only on. <clears throat> he's only not there on game day. He's present for ex- everything else. Sure. Yeah. So, but we'll get to that in segment three. So okay. <clears throat> those are the three McCarthy interceptions. Seth has mentioned the flea flicker, which went to the wrong guy. He also misses the <clears throat> And Morris. then he misses Morris. Mm-hmm. 
that's immediately after he hits Roman Wilson on the second touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. And I think those two things are connected because Roman Wilson gets that safety again and puts him in the, oh. in the cleaner. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, ah, you can flip all around and then I'll be wide open. And so he gets a laser touchdown that's 33 yards long. And when you're open in the middle of the field, the laser is a pretty good approach. Right, because nobody, nobody has an opportunity to come in and show up from somewhere you weren't looking. Just, I, I'm, just in terms of geometry. Yeah. Because you're throwing it straight ahead. It's unlikely that you're going to miss so badly that the guy can't catch the ball mm-hmm. because the catching radius you have available to you is rather large. Now, when a guy's on the sideline, that equation changes. Right. Because your window is much smaller because there's an angle involved and, you know, when angles get... There know, was still quite a big window to throw it to. Quite a big window. But what I'm saying is that he threw the the shot to Morris basically the same way he threw the shot to Wilson. Right, right. And he needed to put more air under the ball, especially because it was wide open, something he was doing well yep. mm-hmm. in the last year. Just let Morris run under it. Yeah. Yeah. And if the guy gets tackled... Because you uh, held him up a little bit too much. Okay. And if you throw a laser to a guy when he's running, he's probably going to go down with it. A laser is not usually conducive to yak unless, like, you put it in, like, like where you put the Roman Wilson 47-yarder before. Right. But that was a much shorter throw. The Wilson one was 33 yards in the air. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Those are – we've talked about – those are all of his incompletions. Well, we've done that again. (laughs) Yes, except not so happy this time. (laughs) Yes. Um, Less eventful incompletions, please. I mean, sure, but sometimes this happens, right? Like, you just have these games. Yeah, and I I think that, you know, as soon as uh, Bredesen fumbles the kickoff, you're like, okay, it's one of these. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just going to be one of these That's true. They need to stop playing games on Rosh Hashanah. Well, (laughs) I mean, just think about it. You're Michigan... You're like number two in the country for the second straight year. Your non-conference schedule is embarrassing. That's not really like. I mean, how much you're playing a night game? Insight, do you th- or how much like involvement like does Harbaugh have in that? No, I mean, well, I mean, Harbaugh has no involvement in. Right. So that's just an administrative well, thing. What yeah, can you do as the well, team? What I'm saying yeah. is, like, if you're the team, it's like, all right, when do we actually like play football? And it kind of feels like the answer was like, not this week. They were like. Okay, we can do it for one week. All right, we can do it for two weeks. Yeah, we can't do it for three weeks. Well, and the way the coaches are approaching it is like, yeah, you know, Will Johnson is healthy enough to play 10 snaps against <laughs> the second opponent, UNLV. Um, Thus. And he <laughs> that boy, that, that, God, that made the memory a whole fast. Well, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and then, like, but he's not ready to play. And, like, oh, it's just, it just feels like the whole program didn't take any of these three games seriously. It's probably that's. I won't say it's probably true. I will say that there is probably some truth to it. They absolutely didn't yeah. take any of these games seriously, and they that's a that's a pattern that they have. They've never taken a Rutgers game seriously. They better take this one seriously. More well, they did in, in 2015. Past. He got called for penalties for like being too serious. In any case, yeah. So they definitely took the 2016 game seriously. All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> Thank you for your pedantic corrections, podcast co-hosts. That's why you pay me the big bucks. That's not <laughs> why I do anything. I don't do anything so that I will be pedantic. But do you correct. think they will take this? I mean, Harbaugh's coming back next week. They better. All of the things are starting to this align. Is a three and a Rutgers team that has has uh, multiple touchdown wins. But why would they not? Like, what would make you think that they're like, oh, they're probably sleepwalking through this game too? Because that's just who they are. They don't take game seriously. 
and they pick and choose which ones they're not going to take seriously. And I hope they don't pick Rutgers because if uh, they do, it's going to be another. I mean, they, Rutgers had a lead halfway through last year's game. Yeah, I mean, the third on quarter. a punt block and some I know, fluky stuff. But and then Michigan won by like thirty-five points in the second half. Right, because it's like, oh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> they did the year before too. Rutgers actually came close to winning that game yeah. in twenty. Like, then, well, yeah, but like our linebackers were out and stuff like linebackers that. Linebackers are out, and Cade took a shot at the end of the first half and did not look like the same quarterback in the second half. Well, the point is, you have to have your, you know, you have to have your reads live against Rutgers from now on. Because hey, they had a live read in this game one. on the first drive. Yeah, while we're, while we're talking about JJ, yep, the, he definitely ran the ball one time. Well, he scrambled a couple times too, and one of them got up a little limpy. Wow, mm-hmm. can't and can't play football like you're going to be afraid that every hit is going to end your career. I agree, and that seems like kind of like what they're doing. Like, ah, we got to do all this stuff, and we're going to be making bad reads and whatnot. In any case, uh, that that about does it for the passing game because there are only 13 attempts. I don't think there's anything really on the positive ledger. Loveland had a great catch. Loveland had a nice catch, yeah, laying out. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's a, just it's another a, data point for your breakout player. Well, he's you know got to get some targets first. Uh, the run game, two things of note. One, they ran a zone stretch for no yards, a lead a lead stretch, only, and, and and then they shelved it entirely. Well, I, so when a guy shoots upfield like that, Bredesen is supposed to drive him upfield. And it's not what you do on a had, on a power had, play. You just kick him out and hold him back there. He had no he had no shot to do anything at that. I mean, it was just the guy met him at a point in the backfield where there was nothing he could do. I I don't think that's true. I've seen we've seen no. how many outside zones, and when a guy shoots upfield like that, no, he, you keep your legs moving and you just roll no. him back out of there. There's, there's no way. All right, because that guy was like, okay, this is going to be outside zone. I got to put my butt right here. Uh huh. And he did. And there's nothing Max Bryson can do about that. Okay. And so the other thing that was of note is that after the first drive in the second half, they pulled yes. Miles Hitton. They moved yeah. Barnhart to right tackle. So it okay. wasn't injury-related. Like, that was the thing I was wondering. I was wondering if this is injury-related. But I, it's, it's not because Barnhart stayed in the game. Well, no. It, it would have been an injury. Hinton was the one that they took out. Oh, you mean like an injury? I was thinking to... I don't think it was an injury to Hinton. I think Hinton got pulled for... I, that's kind of what I think. I did see him get up and look a little gimpy, Hinton. So it, that's possible what it could have been. Mm-hmm. Or it could have been them finally being like, okay. <laughs> we really want this we to We want work. this to happen. <laughs> and it's then, just not going to happen. But then as soon as they put Henderson on the field, he... Has a good combo block, gets to the linebacker, hits the linebacker, and that's the lane they use. The next play, he drives a guy down two two yards away from the line of scrimmage, yep. and that's the lane they use. So Henderson gets in there, and he's immediately playing football. I mean, I mean that's what we want to have happen. Maybe he's maybe I we didn't get to see him pass pro because by that point the game yeah. was getting into like let's not drop back unless we have to mode. But well, it's weird that he's repping at left tackle if. They're concerned about his pass pro, right? Yeah. It kind of feels like they would. So that would probably not be the case then. Well, I mean, it's possible. I, I The way they've handled this is just weird to me. All of it is weird. Let's try to install outside zone. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Like, have you, have you seen this offensive line? Like, no. <sighs> Especially when you're trying to like, all right, let's, let's install outside zone. 
and play Miles Hinton. It's like, how do those two things go together? Yeah. I mean, they, they barely ran it, right? They ran it one time, they get blown up, and they're just like, okay, back on the shelf. And guess what happens to the run game? They're absolutely clicks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're running power like they actually know what they're doing because they know what they're doing. What did they do this offseason? Did they just, like, my concern is they just wasted the entire offseason trying to do something that... I think so many guys were out during the offseason. Well, like, their I, running backs were not hit well, in the offseason. Running backs were not hit. They didn't have Hinton. Mm-hmm. They didn't have Henderson. Yeah. I don't think they had Nugent in spring. Mm, that could be. In yeah, spring, they did not have yeah, Nugent. No. Raheem Anderson was the starting center at the spring game. So they're trying to put together this, like, line of, like, transfers without even having them in for spring. Yeah. They're trying to install outside zone at the same time they're doing this. Yeah. Like, it's, it really feels like they flew c- too close to the sun. Mm-hmm. And we've seen this before where Michigan comes out and their ground game is a little hinky and then they, they fix it, usually because someone told Gaddis to shut up. But um, <laughs> I, so I think it's going to get there. But, uh, man, talk about annoying. <laughs> but what – I mean, what would you want to have happen instead? I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that, like, they did the right thing. I'm just saying, like, you I mean, you covered this in the first part where, like, nobody wanted to play these games, but we had to play these games. Yeah. So, I mean, they made it through all these games. Well, it doesn't seem like anyone's out for the year. They, they mostly went well. There were some hiccups here and there, but, like... To me, I would have actually gone through with the tackle rotation in the first two games. Yeah. Just for... Like I don't think there's any reason. Well, they said they were that. going to. That's the disappointing. I'll give you that. That's the disappointing part. So I said they were going to. We we're going to see all four tackles, and we really haven't. We've w- seen two w- and a half. Wouldn't have bothered trying to run outside zone with Trevor Keegan on the line. Yeah, and hypothetically, Ladarius Henderson or Miles Hinton is one of your tackles. Or I don't think Trente can run it probably. Maybe he can. I don't know. But I think there's got to be something going on with Trente. He's not. Well, yeah. so he, well, he was out there again for. He's been posting stuff on TikTok that makes it kind of sound like he's not in a good place, mm-hmm. like mentally. Yes. Okay. Do you think that has anything to do with like I don't know this stuff that he's been past? Like I don't know. To me, the way that Miles Hinton is playing on on the field implies that there's something else going on. It's and it seems like it would be relatively new because if he's unhappy with the program or felt like he wasn't getting a fair shake, then he, he would have transferred. Yeah. But and, he didn't. And apparently, he's okay enough to come in for a half dozen to a dozen snaps yeah. a game as a bonus OL, but he's not there to play tackle. And he's pass protecting too, because a lot of those are play actions. So, like, wh- like none of this really makes sense to me. The the only way I can make it make sense is because they didn't have these guys in spring. They feel like they need to use these games to get them reps together. They want the offensive line to gel, and so then they're saying. All right, are we going to switch off guys and waste all these snaps, or are we just going to pick our guys in, sp- in fall, put that line out there, and let them play together because we think this is going to be our line? I guess it's weird to me that I just can't imagine Miles Hinton playing better than Trent A. Jones in practice. I mean, we've seen this before where there's they have guys we're pretty sure are do- are doing very well in practice, and then they don't perform as well in games that's a real thing in football and this program seems to have forgotten that i i just look at him and i can't i like he's his lateral mobility is bad mm-hmm. he's occasionally powerful but he's a lunger mm-hmm. he is a lunger that happened a couple he times needs, in pass pro he needed a, we're Saturday. seeing exactly what we said he needed a red shirt to like yeah fix and after a red shirt he could be amazing he has the athleticism he's got the strength does he he I mean, he's yeah, got he's, the strength I'll, i've I'll seen him you. move before pretty well he just does not have the footwork uh, i mean he could still red shirt 
He could. Yeah. I mean, he could still even play in another game and redshirt. I just, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I just defies belief that Hinton could look like this in a game. Yeah. And then be clearly better than, than, than Trent A. Jones. Than Trent A. Jones and Ladarius Henderson yeah. in practice. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense. But Joe Bold. I mean, but Joe Bolden knew all the play calls. Well, that's true. And, and like Miles yeah. Hinton didn't come from standard and be like, oh, yeah, I know all the play calls, and that's how I can read the defense. Like, that's not happening. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a mystery to me. But in this game, Michigan did basically ditch outside zone. Yeah. And all of a sudden, things look a lot better. They use more of the two-back stuff with uh, Corum and Edwards. Mm-hmm. Even uh, Well, they had the counter play, right? Or not counter, but like they ran the, the reverse. 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 Yeah. yeah. Which was like set up right after like a basic power run to the right and they ran basically the same thing but pitched and it was coming back and, and it was, was wide open for a touchdown yeah. Nugent turned around because it, it missed Adidas guy otherwise like that is a touchdown there was nobody else but that's the kind of stuff like I said on the podcast previously like those are the kinds of things I want to see with Edwards like you don't ha- he doesn't have to be Blake Corum in the backfield where you hand him the ball and he just is a running back you can do fun stuff like that with him to get him the ball. Like the check down in space we talked about last week where the, the linebackers off him, they get it to him, and he's just too athletic, and he gets eight yards. Those are the kinds of things that you can do with Edwards. I mean, the, the thing about that is when you have Edwards moving around, that one, that's the speed and space thing, right? You, you don't... Next time they see it, it's not like, okay, now that's on tape. Now they know how to defend it. Yeah. If you go and try to defend that, all you're doing is taking a guy out of the play when you're trying to defend a run right. with Blake Corum. Right. Well, I, I want to go back to the UNLV game. So they had two guys in the backfield. They motion Edwards out. They have a, a read on. Mm-hmm. And it's the triple option read. Yeah. Yes. And JJ screws it up. Right. Because two linebackers space out with Edwards. Mm-hmm. And they're in no position to defend <laughs> right. the run play. And if they actually give it to Quorum, that's going to be a chunk. So this is what I keep saying about the reads need to be – Live all the time. Yeah. yeah. The reason, like, and you, so to me, when you have these two backs and you have a quarterback who can run the ball, you should be reading every play, almost every play. You can go under center for some stuff, fine. But when you're in the gun, mm-hmm. like, that yeah, has to be, be a read. Yeah. That needs to be what you are doing because you are stressing everything. Yeah. And you're able to equalize numbers in the box without necessarily getting your quarterback hit. Right? And he can slide. He can dive. He can, like, he doesn't have to take hits on every play. Yeah. He has to dive head first, though, remember? Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> I've, I, just, I just see that in college football. So, like, I was watching the Colorado State game. Yeah. And their quarterback gets out, and he's like, all right, I'm in space, but I'm slow and, you know, a two-star. So, he, like, <laughs> he's got, like, eight yards, but he slides, and it's four. I'm like, bro. Yeah. <laughs> dive head first, and you'll be fine. Yeah. You are not important enough. <laughs> Go get the yards. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Do you think that they're doing? Because I know that I know for a fact that the Ravens did this because someone talked to Brett Coleman about it and he reported it that they um, they actually don't have real reads. That it's just they're all fake reads. And no. you don't think Michigan's picked up picked that up? No. Why would they do that? That would be stupid as hell. Well, I mean, I think that they do have reads at times, but I, but like, I think it's there's prob- definitely times they, where the I reads think it's, are off. It's that's and that's probably what it is. Is the the reads are off more than you or maybe we would ideally want. I, well, I mean, how many times have we seen an RPO this year? Zero times. 
Yeah, well, you just mentioned the Edwards one, but that's that's not our yeah. That's a that's triple, a triple option. option. That's yeah. a run. That's yeah. a run play with an yeah. option to go in the flat. Yeah. No, we haven't seen any. I was like, what are we doing? I, you know, you and I have gone back on this on the um, with Sam a couple of times too. If you're going to practice RPOs, you have to practice against the defense that you're facing because you have to know which guy you're reading. So it's not like they're just going. I mean, but yeah, you could have RPOs on linebackers all day and run slants under that. Like everyone runs that. I mean, given given the way that op- opponents are reacting to Michigan's run game, like, mm-hmm. that seems to make some sense. I know, and it feels like it's possible that they put it in practice and they're just not running it in games. But it's like. <sighs> Like we're, we're pulling out the reverses, we're pulling out the flea flickers, but we're not going to run an RPO. It just feels odd. Yeah, I, Saving it for Rutgers, man. I mean, maybe. Probably yeah. not. I, yeah. I. It's hard to take everything in these games seriously, too, because, you know, it, it, take, it does take practice time to get reads right. And even with zone reads, that kind of thing, it takes a lot of practice. So how much practice do they want to burn on that versus learning outside zone? Now, that's... That's I an got argument an for that question. That's an argument that we would probably answer differently than them. What a waste of time. So that's probably what's happening, right? So they wasted a bunch of time installing outside zone. They can't run, and now they don't really have much of a read. Game. Well, they can. Still, that's what you're saying. They can still run. Are you worried that Don Edwards is still missing cuts? Because there were a couple in this game. I, I didn't necessarily. I I didn't go over it close enough. Okay. There's so when they did the Edwards cat, yeah. uh, where JJ, I mean, they go, I mean, still got a few, still got a few yards, but Barner turns his guy in, mm-hmm. and that edge is gone. There's nobody out there but the guy with JJ. So that's low red zone stuff. So I kind of feel like bouncing there is discouraged properly. I mean, how many times in the you watch enough college football when you bounce that those guys walk in. People walk in all the time in the red zone. I mean, because they overplay inside, and you just bounce it out if they do that. But you, but you think he's being coached to not go outside in those uh, situations? He, and that was a, a gain of four uh-huh. from the nine, so it's a successful play. I, I haven't, I didn't look at it in detail. Okay, but I mean, that could be another cause of why the running backs look a little rusty, is because they've been running a bunch of stuff. They, the, yeah, the pattern on outside zone is different than patterns and duo and and uh, power. So if they've been repping that in practice a bunch, yeah, and not well, <laughs> there's there's another like, run that goes nowhere where um, Keegan is pulling, and Keegan decides not to hit the linebacker because he sees there's a cut. I, I think he saw there's a cutback lane and just wanted to make it bigger. Oh. And Edwards runs right into that linebacker. No, I put that definitely on Keegan. That's yeah, t- yeah. Well, because he pushes like Nugent in the back. Yeah, yeah, that was that's not a block. No, but I thought what he. I thought he saw the linebacker sliding over there and goes, oh, Edwards is going to cut this back. No, I mean, I do think that Michigan has something in that in the playbook where the pulling lineman is supposed to impact one of the down blocks and push it wide. Yeah. Like, we saw that against Ohio State and Stokes didn't take the, the cutback lane. That didn't look like that to me. Okay. And if it did look like – if that was what the call was – Keegan's got to realize that it's not on. Right. And go get the linebacker. Because the linebacker's already in the gap. Yeah, because, yeah. I, I mean, like, Keegan goes and impacts that, like, Nugent. And there's there's no cutback lane for Edwards to go in. Right. So that's yeah. not on Edwards. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I'm just wondering if they haven't pra- – I was trying to relate this to they have not been practicing their base thing together enough. And I mean, that's what it looks like when you're not practicing your base thing together enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So hopefully uh, they'll just ditch the outside zone. And we'll see who starts to tackle next week. Mm-hmm. Um, Because Rutgers does have a defense. Yep. 
And they have some edges. They have some dudes on the outside. <clears throat> well, Aaron Lewis. Aaron Lewis was yeah. probably the worst run defense defensive end I charted last year. He's gotten way better at that, though. I don't believe you. Because <laughs> <laughs> Carson Barhart turned him into a wet puddle last year. Uh, yeah, well, What's that's a dry puddle. Uh, I don't know. It's a it's a wet puddle that dried out. It's probably got some detritus in there, like uh, some smudge. Why? You, yeah, it's my fault. You asked this question. I know. Now fault. you guys are treating me like a Mike Leach. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So thank you for that. <laughs> uh, tight end blocking, I thought was actually pretty good. Well, Barner had a great week last week. Yep. Loveland had a few sticks today, too, or yesterday, too. I mean, for Loveland, you just kind of want him to get in the way and be like, ah, stay away from my running back. But but he did. Yeah. And he, and he hit a few guys. And, I mean, I'm not saying that he's, like, going to get a perfect grade on him, but it wasn't. I mean, he moved in a Mac defender, I guess. Well, I mean, so the, the run blocking has been grading out very well for everybody except the tackles. Mm-hmm. And the wide receivers. And the wide, yes, and the wide receivers. Although, hey, there, were some, there was, uh, yeah. Wilson had a pancake. Yeah. Uh, so Yesterday. the on the arc read that where JJ kept it, yeah. Um, that actually was closing down before Wilson just wrenches that guy out of there. So he'll he'll get another plus one block there. Well, I'm sure that that's been a point of emphasis in practice because it has really hurt them for the first couple of weeks. And then the first run, uh, the big you know the fifty yarder mm-hmm. that Quorum ran, both receivers get their blocks on that, and then there's one safety for Quorum. Quorum jumps over the safety and. <laughs> You know, he's off to the races. One nice thing from this game is it felt like Blake Corum was back. Yes. Yeah. Oh, there's there's one when you get back to charting it, that, like he just um, sloms through like the... Yeah. Yeah, he was... He's seeing it again. So, cool. <laughs> Yay, Corum is back. That's why I'm not like overly concerned about this whole thing. And uh, Samaj Morgan, nice end around in the late third quarter. Like they handed it to him and he ran through a guy. Like a guy... I mean, he's... Tried to that, tackle him. That's going to be his job. Sure. He's he's our new Calvin Bell, or whatever your generation is. You have an end-around guy. And the end-around guy has to make one guy miss Well, the guy like gets his feet. I mean, I mean, it was a pretty poor tackle attempt. But yeah, but I mean, you and... have to be able to get five yards if you're matched on one guy. With, with who He can't tackle you at his All first right. attempt. Do we have any other yeah. takes that we need to get off our chests? Uh, Zinter was mashing. Okay. I mean, yay. <laughs> Nugent got a couple mashing blocks. Yep, he did. Although um, there was one pass where Nugent, I think, was getting pushed into the backfield, and that caused JJ to maybe make a wrong read. Well, I was also concerned about a couple of the pressures because they clearly set the set the line wrong. Yeah. So there was one where JJ gets pressured directly up the middle right before halftime. And you go back and you look at it, and it's like... Ooh. Edwards is supposed to check inside yeah. out. Edwards just he left. Just, he just goes to the right. I don't I don't even... But you also, you've got you've got two guys to the, to the right of that, mm-hmm. and you got three blockers going out there. And I'm like, this looks like they set the long... Because the, if you set the set the line to the left, Edwards can go out. Yeah. Mm. And you have... Yeah, and you have a hat for so a So you hat. think that's on the OL? To me, that feels like, yeah, that's like Nugent not being a Olu. Well, I mean... Okay, that that could be, but I mean, but Barnhart also just gets destroyed, right? Like the guy just goes way. Well, for him. your quarterback to be that dead, multiple people have to fail. But, right, right. but I mean, you get an unblocked but, rusher up the gut. Like it's possible that. But that, but that was a different rusher. There was an also a rusher that came around on the outside. Yeah. So that's probably the OL thing, is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, not everyone's going to be Olu. 
No, and I think that we're seeing some of the costs, and hopefully that'll get ironed out over the course of the year. Yeah. The plug-and-play All-American Center thing that we got last year is, an, is a unicorn, and I was trying to, like, have people braced for this reality. Yeah. I mean, Nugent is doing the thing that he was doing all of his Stanford career where he gets beat back in the first yard, and then he, you know, re-anchors, and he's fine. That doesn't sound like good. <laughs> that sounds bad. It's functional. But you have to be used to it, and I think JJ like gets a little spooked when the center gets moved back because mm-hmm. he's used to Olu. All right, uh, we're gonna take a break. Come back and briefly talk about the defense. I think. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family reunion, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirt.com. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president of Peak Wealth Management, your MGO financial coach, and it is our goal to help you retire with peak confidence. Check us out at peakwm.com slash blog. Bo says the team, the team, the team. Lately, my mantra has been the plan, the plan, the plan. Check out the Trust the Plan podcast. Search out my name, Nick Hopwood, on any platform and give us a follow. You know, we haven't updated this ad in over two years because since the last versions went live, we only had one Big Ten loss, and honestly, I'm a little superstitious. But for this ad, I just want to give a shout-out to all the loyal Wolverines and MGO blog fans who've reached out to us from as far as France, Japan, Seattle, San Francisco, Dallas, Florida, New York, and of course, all over the great state of Michigan. And you guessed it, we're pulling recruits out of Ohio as well, just like Harbaugh. Thank you very much. So no matter where life has taken you after your time in Ann Arbor, we're here to help you build a plan you can trust. If you're looking for a second opinion, visit us at peakwm.com slash mgoblog today. If you want to see where our post-game podcast happens, or if you need a spot to land in Ann Arbor, check out 4M, Prentice Partners' beautiful brand-new flagship property at 830 Henry Street in Lower Burns Park and across the bridge from the big house. Their 11 spacious six-bedroom, six-bath suites feature state-of-the-art digital capabilities and are laid out for comfortable, efficient collaboration. You can also rent a 4M unit for shorter stays, say if you want to come to town for a football weekend. I want to add myself that they're also taking over Lucky's. We're really excited about their plans for that space. So if you're by the stadium, swing by 830 Henry or visit Prentice4M.com. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. 
Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across Southeast Michigan, dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. So Bowling Green comes in and they decide not to put Connor Basilak on the field. And then... So he wasn't hurt? They just... I don't know. Didn't they said go he with was him. hurt. Okay. If I was Connor Basilak, I'd be like, oh man, I got a hangnail. Sorry, guys. Uh, and then their backup quarterback goes out midway through the second quarter with no apparent injury. He's like 8 for 11 for 91 yards. They're playing a third string walk-on and after... Their best edge rusher has a scary injury. Scott Leffler is just like, we're going home. Yeah. So after steadfastly refusing to run between the tackles in the first half, I think they did it literally one time. Their entire second half is just like, fine, we're going to run the same counterplay over and over again. Oh, God. Yeah. And that gets eaten up just like everyone knew it would. So there's really not a whole lot to say. Now, in the first half, they did actually try to play some football. They got two long completions – on circus catches, yeah, one of which is broken up by Sainer still and still caught on the ground. The other was just like a you know you tip your hat, yeah, well done, sir. Yeah. By the way, review was correct. You you bounce with that a couple times, then and then you move your arm. That that is a correct call. If I was in charge of football, I would be an incomplete pass because your whole job is to not have it hit the ground. Anyway, have you applied for that job? Yes. They, they said no. <laughs> Very quickly. I told them about the doinks, and they were like, sorry. And I was like, you guys are not visionaries. <laughs> In any case. That is probably true. Uh, the the main concerning thing from this game, I think, was Josh Wallace getting beat like a drum on what should have been a touchdown. Yep. So I had a, I had a small theory on that one because there was a play not too long before that where he jumped a route and almost had an interception. And I think that the the pass was actually um, – if, if the pass was accurate, he was going to be taken off with that thing. And I think that they saw that. They took they ran a run, and then, like, the next play, okay, the gotta, guy runs a double move on him. You've got a stick and move, though. Like, you, you've, yeah. played, you've played literally 2,200 steps of college football. I think you can't you can't jump around and then no, be but like, I think oh, they do that they twice specific, in a row. Yeah, and they specifically got him, and I think that he was in the mindset of I'm playing Bowling Green and I want to go no, hunting no, interceptions no, here. No, no, this guy transferred from UMass, so you want to go and get an interception, man? Like, no, I they took his interception away that he got last week. I don't buy that at all. That is true. Yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, we see Makari Page come back mostly healthy, seemingly healthy, although they pull him for Quentin Johnson, who. Uh, 
rose up from his cyan issued by Mr. Seth over there to have a pick. That's what that's what they do, man. That's what that's what the whole that's, point of that's the that's what the cyan is. is. I do want to point it's out that just, Pro Football Focus gave Quentin uh, Quinten Johnson a ninety one and Jalen Harrell a ninety point five, and those are the two guys I've been hardest on in the in UFRs. Uh, so, shout out to those two guys. Well done. I mean Harrell played well, but he hasn't not played well. Well, when they started running their power every single, their counter every single play, it was like they, he was the guy on the backside being read, and he knew that they weren't reading and so he was just like, I get free t- TFLs. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just really hard to say much of anything. We've seen this defensive line against teams like this before. We know what they do. Yeah. I mean, like, Cam Good was making hay. Right. He so got that, a sack. His, his sack was created by Grant. Sure. Yeah. In, in any case. He still got there. We've already talked about this defense twice in a row against teams like this, and there's really nothing else to say except, like, please play Will Johnson against Rutgers. They did play some Jire Hill. Yeah, I mean, he came in pretty early. It seems like it's clear that he's the freshman slash young guy who is closest to supplanting someone who's uh, starting right now. Um, And because of the situation, by the time he got in, it was like, okay, Jire Hill, enjoy. Right. You're you're on the field for snaps. Are you relevant for any of them? No. So I I did have we got some linebacker takes this game just because the way the Pulling Green was playing dump off all the time and mm-hmm. uh Colson was playing very I made up about 6 yards when he was supposed to get picked on that play. That was an RPS against Michigan and Colson made up the yards anyway. And Barrett just does the thing that Barrett does where he just gets outside faster than, you know, the guy that you're trying to beat him with. Um Hausman I thought had a little bit of a rough game. Yeah, there was one um uh play where the the, the run where Harrell's in the backfield unblocked. Yeah. And the running back is just like what do I do? <laughs> Can you just, if, I, yeah. if I stand here for three seconds, will that improve things? <laughs> no. Well, I'm going to go over here where yeah. nobody is for some reason and pick up eight yards. I, I, so Quinton Johnson is coming down as the safety on the edge. Well, the Houseman just so Houseman And Houseman is babysitting the other edge because I think uh, Moore was getting doubled down. No, I mean, you can't, and, you can't see what's going on. In the backfield and keep backing out, but yeah, but, but I I want to look at that again to see if maybe the safety was supposed to come inside of that because there's no way to get outside of Harrell. Yeah. So, I, you know that I think that they left a gap open there, and then um, I think there might have been Benny on that play too. Yeah, Benny got held, but I I holding happens every play. You can't. They were holding guys face masks. BTSU just had like that was their pass protection scheme was like let's just grab the face mask well, and wrench these guys back. Go their, for the eyeballs. Their pass yeah. protection scheme was was either throw a fade or throw it 3 yards downfield. I I'm really tired of teams not even trying to have a drop back passing game against Michigan. It's been the whole non conference for two straight years. Well, I've got news for you. Rutgers <laughs> comes to town next. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> What are you ready for, Brian? And then it's Nebraska, who's who's got a. Uh, we'll get we'll get to him. Do you think uh, we'll get any turnovers in that game? Um, Probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, it depends. I think they're going to go with the other quarterback now. Uh, Houseman also is responsible for that third and fifteen they converted. So Michigan runs a switch coverage on that, and he doesn't switch down to the other hole. No. So he 
he to was the, the, when they threw the tight end over the middle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You have to get over that tight end immediately. You cannot. Now, if it's third and fifteen, you can give him six yards and let them throw it to him and then tackle him. He did not. He waits there in the wrong zone and then gets over. And it was that's a true sophomore in his first year in this defense. And I'm glad it happened against Bowling Green, and not you know something else. But yeah. that's it, Michigan's complicated coverages and a true sophomore in his first year with it. Good job to Chris Jenkins for making the second half far less annoying. <laughs> hey, that's a great read. Like, he yeah. breaks yeah. down and starts backpedaling, yeah. gets in position, and then makes an athletic play. Yeah. How wanted, badly did you want him to score? How badly did he want to score? <laughs> you saw him dragging. He's like, I am not going down. We're like, dude, I think you're going down. <laughs> he should have lateraled it. <laughs> Is there someone there? I don't Was care. Was Steve Breston there? No. God, why? <laughs> why? Why? Because that's the that's the why? name that always pops into anyone's mind whenever there's a lateral that's in play. Why? Is there not? This is the second time this week, 2005 Michigan has <sighs> reinterrupted my life. Okay, okay, all right. SEC shorts, like, just, like, we just caught, like, one off the off now, of nowhere in that. Like, now Brian's so upset he's going to end the segment. Just, just be quiet. You're killing the vibe. You've killed the vibe. I'm unhappy with you. Uh, Samer still hopped over the running back who was trying to block him to get his yeah, sack. That's good. Yeah, that's a lesson for all the slot blitzers like Jaden McBurrows against ECU who were just getting upturned by that running back when they were coming in from the from that angle. And Samer still's like, this is how you do it. So yeah. put that on the Tom Imansky how to play slot cornerback video. Yes. Sure. All right, do we have any more takes on this non-entity of a game for the defense? Page was back, missed a tackle. Yeah, it was late to the hole, I thought. Yeah, a little Whatever. rusty. Well, that's what happens when you don't take the non-conference schedule seriously at all. All right, we're going to take a break, come back, and talk about some more stuff. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, certified financial planner, founder and president at Peak Wealth Management. Check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. When you're watching the game, everyone knows what the score is. But you might be at halftime of your career. Do you know what the score is? Are you winning? Or do you need to play catch-up? If you're behind in the second half of your career financially, we may need to run a hurry-up offense like John Navarre in the 2003 game at Minnesota, or run a three-quarter court press after a made free throw like Coach Howard likes to call. My team of CFPs at Peak Wealth Management are here to help you understand what the score is and what you need to do to win. Your spreadsheet doesn't tell you the score like we can. If you're going to spend all your free time watching replays of the 2021-2022 Ohio State games on repeat, you need to outsource your financial planning and investing with us at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. At Peak, our goal is to help you retire with peak confidence. Winewood Organics is Ann Arbor's only cannabis microbusiness for adults 21 and older. They're a grower, processing lab, and dispensary rolled into one, cultivating and producing flour, old-school hash, edibles, CBD products, and more. You can find them across the street from Kroger on South Maple, just west of downtown, and at winewoodorganics.com. Veterans and MedCard holders save 10% on all orders, and first-time customers save 25%, as long as you're not wearing scarlet and gray. Is your online store sluggish, outdated, underperforming? You may be suffering from chronic crappy website disorder. One in three online stores built by your brother's friend's nephew currently suffers from chronic crappy website. But now, there's hope. 
Introducing Human Element. Huel has helped hundreds suffering from CCW to turn their online stores around, creating fast, secure, and engaging online experiences that turn visitors into customers and put products back at the top of their search engine game. Before Huel, I had abandoned carts, browser errors, and poorly animated GIFs. Now, with Huel, I can focus on what I'm actually good at, running my business. Jeffrey, would you be a deer and pull the Ferrari around? Side effects may include increased traffic, customer conversions, better ROI, compliments, elation, and early retirement. Why live with the disappointment of chronic crappy website disorder? Speak to your human element consultant today to see if Huel is right for you. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. kick return should be a wide receiver okay yeah for one for the obvious reason now and two because they all need some practice blocking this year so Ah. let's get them out there in space and 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 it will up their numbers of um of plays that they're on the field so now they have more snaps so Uh we can like show people like the pro football focus snap count and be like see they're lying to you our receivers are all on the field they don't count those they don't count the special team snaps. Uh, well, we'll count them when yeah, we're telling wide well, yes. receivers that you're going to get snaps because you're going to be hey, Tyler on every Morris. kickoff return. Tyler Morris is getting touches. There you go. And then and then people can't just pop it up to Max Bredesen and Braden McGregor anymore. Fixed. Shouldn't Max Bredesen be able to catch it? Isn't he a tight he end? He did catch or am it. I- He's a fullback. He did catch it. They cut off his fingers when they made him a fullback. He was fine. When he he entered the sacred uh, Mason's Guild of fullbackery. Michigan's Uh. next play after all of that was, I think, when they were on the two-yard line. They line up in an eye. I'm like, this is not going to be a dive. No. Dave, give me your honest take. It's similar to Seth's, but XFL kickoffs need to be mandated. 
okay for the ninety four percent of us who don't watch the XFL. That's where you right. like, where everybody li- you have one team that like lines up on the twenty five and the other one on the thirty five, uh-huh. and the kicker is back on the thirty five and kicks it all the way down. Wow, that would make onside kicks really easy. Well, it would eliminate them because they don't have <laughs> onside kicks. So then it forces you into having going for like the fourth and whatever. Okay. As an onside kick. Uh-huh. Plus, you have kick returns every play, and you don't have everyone like r- slamming into each other because they all start like five or ten yards apart. Yeah. And so then, and then you take like what Seth was saying, you take people like you know Max Bredesen or Braden McGregor off the field to return. Now, if they're good blockers, okay, fine. But like, I'm done with like the okay. You're either going to have the most ridiculously alarming play of a pooch into the middle of fullbacks and defensive ends. Or you have a kneel down. You guys are so really... we're, we're, they're just a waste of time. What, what did the, didn't the XFL try something where like you have a choice between having it fourth and ten on your thirty-five, or that's uh, the, or you kick that's off? The, that, no, no, no. Or that's, the other team gets on their twenty-five. That's the onside version. Okay, so you're no. fixing multiple problems with this. It is such a, so on brand that we just spent a bunch of time talking about the least relevant play in football. But we're yeah. making it more relevant. Okay. All right. It was relevant Wait. in this game, wasn't Wait. it? Yeah, for real. <laughs> Wait, Dave, Dave, Dave. can yeah. we all can, can we also use the uh, XFL's system of putting whatever you want on the back of your jersey as so, your name? So this is the like, new XFL. I don't think they do that oh. anymore. They're, they're That's the old it. XFL. They're trying to be Let's serious. Let's go bring that back. Let's bring it back. Let's bring they're, that they're back. Like Miles, serious... Miles Hinton. Miles Hinton whiffs and falls. <laughs> oh, you can't give us your hot takes yet. Yes, Brian has to give on. you the voice. Sorry, sorry. Randy, give me your hottest take. Everything is fine. <laughs> <laughs> that made is that what you is that what you texted me during the game? I was like, all right, I, Sklar's, I, I can't deal with Sklar's right now. <laughs> no, I texted you just being like, I, what I texted you was that they did a flea flicker. How happy? Oh, oh. and I'm sure you're going to talk. What about that. he called? You know, he called you guys the ledge people. On the- <laughs> <laughs> we, are the ledge. we are. You got to tuck us off the ledge. But the the idea that you know, sure, everything's fine. Yes, old J- TCU JJ came out. He should have on the flea flicker. Should have had his fourth interception for the day Third. under a hundred yards. No, but that was should would have oh, been yeah. fourth interception of the day. He's forcing things. Donovan Edwards, yes, should probably take the COVID year so he could learn how to block the a gap when someone's blitzing <laughs> up the middle. Uh, he definitely shouldn't go pro after this year. Yes. I mean, he JJ threw the pass to Tyler Morris like he was a freshman again instead of putting air under Okay, it. let's get back to everything is fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm saying all of that may be true. And yes, now the Rutgers game is looking a lot tougher than I thought it would be. In the But everything's fine. We okay. won 31 to 6. So it's all like right. we could, we should just, everything is fine. Someone has injected Randy Sklar with barbiturates. Is that, are those downers? <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, well, uh, barbiturates. <laughs> is there a time when I you think they're down? Okay. Someone's yeah, replaced Randy like, Sklar with Seth Fisher. Is, uh, what's uh, happened. No, Randy, <laughs> Randy puts the bitch in barbiturates. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's, that's, uh, you, they have a bit where they roast each other. So there you go. <laughs> Jason, give me your hottest take. All right. I'm going to build on Randy's. Not only is everything fine, but it's better for next year because JJ and Donovan will be coming back. <laughs> This is good. We obviously don't want them to, to go so far off the charts that it's that they'll be clear first round picks. We want them to have unfinished business, even though we keep winning. So this could all work out to our advantage. Hey, That's if, all I'm if Rod say. Moore doesn't play, you can't leave. 
That's, that's right. That, yeah, that, that was my I, other one. That's, that, that was uh, my other hot take. That's, Rod uh, Moore is this year's Nakai Hill Green. Stop <laughs> it. Ah. All right. Uh, here's mine. Vladimir Putin gave everybody in college football polonium this weekend. <laughs> this, is, this is a hot take. This is just that, that was like, yeah, yeah, it was reported three times yeah, already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a halftime. And Alabama's quarterback was had like 39 passing yards against South Florida. Which one? Two of them. Yeah, yeah. Tommy Reese, like, he's an agent. He's a he's a Russian agent. <laughs> you got you got Texas struggling with Wyoming. You got South Carolina beating uh, Georgia fourteen to three at halftime. Florida State should have lost. You got Washington lost. giving up a touchdown to Michigan State. <laughs> how, what, 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 how did that happen? Yeah, I, I think that was the fourth stringers at that point. I don't care. It was, they took a couple of the students who were leaving at the in the second quarter, and we're like. <laughs> 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 Put them okay. in Washington uniforms. The only the only unrealistic <laughs> part about that is that there were any Michigan State students left in the second quarter. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> at least one sober enough to like not like that, that, to leave the stadium. Yeah. There were a few passed out. Yeah, there really like, were. Ah. They showed the video. They showed the clip, and then they're like, people could actually see passed out Michigan State fans on the on the benches. Oh. They were lying down. So like, let, like happy uh, to finally get sleep in the vein <laughs> yeah. of the scars. Let's just like take take a step back. Everybody has this week every once in a while where you're stepping on rakes and everything's going wrong and nothing's coming up Millhouse. We're just going to chill out. We're going to we're going to chill. Okay? Yeah. The the folks on Twitter who were like t- tweeting, just cut it out. Just stop it. Mm-hmm. No black pit. Yeah. No black pit no or black negative pit. expectations. Man, who are you? I'm a man who just watched his team win the Big Ten twice in a row. What do you think I am? I'm so proud of how far you've come, Brian. That's nah. Don't be proud of that. Be, be proud of Aiden Hutchinson. Aren't you, aren't you proud of him? <laughs> that, and that is why you should buy Brian's new tape for radical acceptance. <laughs> <laughs> Let it wash over you. I mean, I, look, J.J. McCarthy just saved a bunch of money for having to go to New York at the end of the year. Oh, my God. <laughs> You know, now it's, it's coming out. The, now it's coming the, out. No, here I'm we go. Saying the guys, it's an expensive ticket to fly <laughs> to New York. So I'm, I'm happy for him that he saved that extra money this week. And I hope he doesn't have to pay for it. I don't think you do. <laughs> no, that they don't make him pay. Come okay. on, Randy. <laughs> All right. If you can't get enough Sklars, please hit up the cheap. No, the nosebleeds, which is the reboot of the cheap seats on UFC Fight Pass. Also, they are uh, occasionally on tour, and they're in the L.A. area if you ever want to see their stand-up. Follow them on Twitter or Instagram. Are you guys on Instagram? Yeah, we are. At Sklar Brothers on every platform, so thank you. On every platform. MySpace, Friendster, everywhere. (laughs) Yes. Zanga. Zanga. (laughs) Zelda. (laughs) All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Good talking, guys. guys. All right, special teams. Don't kick it to the up back anymore, please. <laughs> I thought that was really well scouted by VG, and like you might as well try that instead of just kicking it to where a guy could return it. I mean, I guess they they did give up. If uh, Bredesen and fumbled, they would have given up about 20 yards of field position. Yeah, but like... Which is one pass the way like two plays. This, yeah. Yeah. And you kick it in there. No one really does that. I doubt Michigan's ever prepped for that. Why would you? I mean, they have 
Braden McGregor in that spot. He's probably not been no, fielding you, you, picks. No, you practice that. Why is Braden McGregor in that spot? To be a blocker. Okay, that that's why that's answer the, the question. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it was it, people are going to try to figure. I credit to Bowling Green, credit to Scott Loeffler for f- figuring out a way to like do something with kickoffs because when and they the, started pooching those up, I just get terrified. And he had a bunch of confidence that they were going to score points enough that they would be able to use it. <laughs> Well, that's why he was kicking field goals instead of going for a touch. Because he wanted to use yeah, his really good scouting on kickoffs. Can you use that as your wait? So many yeah, good hot takes uh, from this, this right, game. Uh, you, can we talk about the field goal decisions now? Because I, oh, I, I yeah. ran the numbers on those. Well, I'm, they were all bad. They were bad, but they were not as bad. as Well, they were bad in the context of your Bowling Green playing at Michigan and you want to win this game. Yeah. But in a normal... In a normal situation, the fourth and two from the 18 was a expected points of 3.66. The expected points of the fourth and one of the 24 is 3.41. So you're, you lo- they lost a point in expected points by those decisions. Okay. And it's, it, that's actually not that huge of a – in normal cases, it's okay. not like that. Those are not huge like, oh, my God, how did you not go for it? All right, that's fine. Yeah, uh, Tommy Doman looked pretty good. I thought it was interesting that they were alternating between Tyler Morris and Jake Thaw on punt returns. Do you have a preference? Because I do. Uh, yes. I I don't think it was an alternate situation. I think it's a field position situation. So Jake Thaw is the if they're probably punting it towards the end zone and you just need to fair catch it. It's Jake Thaw, and if they're punting it where there's an opportunity for a return, but, then but, it's Morris. But Thaw had a return. Yeah, I don't agree with that. I mean, I think they're just okay. they were alternating. putting people out there. Okay. And, but uh, one of them looks like he could be really good. Well, it was interesting because on Morris's sort of long return, he gets a line drive mm-hmm. that's not end over end. And he catches it like you catches catch it a fast. wide receiver. Yeah. 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 I was like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> maybe maybe this guy can, can, uh, can do the thing. So that was a better pass than JJ threw to him. <laughs> um,. Turner's field goal looked like it was going to be good from a lot. Like yes. it was from 42, and I mean, uh, he probably could have hit that from 60 again. They also had him kick off once, and it went Did through they? the end zone. I was like, what's So, I mean, because his whole thing was going to probably be pretty good inside of 40. After that, it gets Liffy, and he's probably not going to be good. Or he's, yeah, he's, he's probably not going to give him shots outside of 50. But we've seen him kick three, four field goals now that have been 50-plus. I mean, he missed one, but not due to length. Like, they've all had some tail on it. Yeah. Uh, and now towards sort of the overall vibe of the program through this non-conference schedule, um, <clears throat> as we mentioned in the offensive section, it doesn't really feel like they took these games seriously. It feels like they were experimenting a bunch. Um, <clears throat> it kind of feels like they tried to install outside zone and – Hopefully, they've decided they should not run outside zone. I mean, they've had it in the... They use it in 2021. They use it in 2022. Yeah, but... But it's a fourth pitch, not a second pitch. Yeah, it's like... It's this thing where you're like, all right, we can we can bring this up and we'll reach a guy because we just don't run this. Yeah, and you're not going to get the reactions to it because you don't run it often enough that teams are going to, like, specifically plan something to stop outside zone if they see it. Do you think that they felt so confident in the other things they can do? They were like... We might actually be able to pull off running all of these. I don't know. It's because possible they did, and they were wrong. 
I mean, I'm not saying that they would be right, but they might be sitting there saying, well, I guess we could keep repping power or we could try to do even a third thing. But the thing is, is you're, you brought in three offensive line transfers with the expectation that two of them are likely to start. Because if you just mm-hmm. aren't going to play Trent A. Jones, then one of your offensive line transfers is going to start at tackle, and then Nugent's going to be the center. They don't have the years in the system that Keegan does. Or Maybe they thought they had a two-month fall camp. You can't. No, that's crazy. Like I, I'm trying to come up with explanations. I, I think the explanation is that they got cocky, mm. and hopefully they don't succumb to the sunk cost fallacy. They should dump all the outside zone <laughs> and play Henderson. <laughs> uh, I I mean we've been on this the whole preseason so right preseason. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Yeah. I Even mean we're not taking this we need, seriously. I mean you need a word for this crap. I mean it's not gonna happen again. They have, you know, Texas yeah. next year. And it's, it says May, everything about as of now. It says everything about college football that in a night game <clears throat> against Bowling Green University. They went to commercial with 11 seconds left. <laughs> and the only play remaining was Michigan kneeling the ball out. I left halfway through the fourth quarter. You did. I saw you leave. Because I was like, I'm not – I have self-respect. I'm not going to sit through another 10 minutes of commercial. You didn't want to see more of the light shows? <sighs> Don't get me started on that old man shit. I'm going to sound like Craig. Craig. Oh. I, we already have one of those. Brian. It looked good on TV. So I, I it was Rosh Hashanah, so I didn't get to go to the game. So it was like it was watching from I home. Didn't miss a whole lot. No, so well, it, it you, looked pretty cool on TV. Like, if you the, like the light fun, it. it's fine. It it would have been. I I like I it was it was every time they turned the lights off, everybody went whoa. I was like, come on, they did this like five times already. People it's, always do that when they so turn lights off. It's it's like weird. a birthday party for a six year old, they're like, whoa. That's because they're six. So <laughs> no, our, that's because the attendees are six. The adults are always are six in this way as this well. This is how Everyone we got to this point in this country. Is everybody's like, ooh, the lights <laughs> turned off? It's like no. <laughs> so have some higher standards for your entertainment, people. So. uh it was I was funny because like um, David Wilkins was in town shooting uh, for us and I talked to him after the game and I was like did you his first time shooting at Michigan Stadium I was like did you like it like did you have fun or whatever and he's like eh and I mean like yeah no it was good uh, the problem was is that like I'm trying to take pictures of celebrations for touchdowns and they turn the lights out <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> it's like what am I supposed to do? And I was like, yeah. yeah. So he's like, all the photographers are looking at each other like, what is going on? Like, we can't <laughs> even do it. Our job. It just, it felt so weird. And I don't know if it felt weirder or not in the stadium, but watching it on TV and they're like, Michigan under the lights. Right, and it's bowling and green. It's bowling green. Yeah. Like, and there's, there's like, <laughs> there were, there were definitely, there was definitely a commercial one play commercial. Mm-hmm. And there was another commercial, two plays commercial, and I remember I got the video from the UNLV game, mm-hmm. and at one point they come back, and the Red Hat's still on the field, <laughs> and is, and they're like counting down, and the Red Hat leaves the field, and then 15 seconds later, they're ready for play. I'm like, I am going to murder someone at a television network. <sighs> it is... It is but I mean, Michigan's complicit. So. It's abominable. No, I'm, they're obviously complicit. But it, so it's it, not even at that point. It's not even those people's fault anymore. It's like everyone is conjoined in on this of I like, ah, let's just make all the money. I tell you what, I'm never buying Dr Pepper again. <laughs> Did you ever before? Yes, I literally stopped buying Dr Pepper because they advertised. So I, because I was like, this is a low cost thing I can do to protest college football advertising. <laughs> low cost. I, 
I don't even remember you drinking a Dr. Pepper. Well, that's because, I mean, I, 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 I usually don't I do it at home because you can't get Diet Dr. Pepper anywhere except in like a grocery store. Oh. So in any case, I, I won't drink But usually you roll with Diet Coke. Yeah. No, I mean whatever. like you have one in your pocket and you're like, oh. Well. In any case, it is, it is, it is, a, it is just a difficult thing to, uh, to sit through now. And there's like the so we had two band halftime. Bowling Green brought their band. They did a halftime show. Michigan uh-huh. brought their band. They had a halftime show. They were both done, and there were eight minutes left in halftime. So if you wanted to shorten the game, you could have chopped five minutes off a of halftime. It's a lot of ad space. Exactly. I mean, the, the real solution is the thing that you've said the years real, ago: the, is you shrinking the screen, putting the ad on the outside. No, the real solution. Is a nationwide boycott <laughs> of college of football, college football yeah. fans against insurance companies yeah. that advertise yeah. on college football. Because you switch your I insurance, see that happening. it's the same thing. Like you might need an F one fifty, maybe you're a contractor or a tool, whatever. But you can switch your insurance. It's literally the same thing. They give you money if something bad happens. So that's what we're gonna do. We're going to get one insurance company to promise they will never advertise on college football games, and then we're all going to switch to them. And then they're going to we have, screw us. <laughs> we have a sponsor who's a insurance company, and he doesn't advertise during football games. So. Phil Klein. Yeah. He, he should. You get, you get like <laughs> two hours of content, and we got like seven minutes of ads. <laughs> So that's a whole different ball his, game. He's got. I think his whole business now has become Emgo blog people who call him and like, "Hey, you did not advertise during this football game. I'm going to go with you." Brian told me to call you, so that's what I'll do. That's what he wrote in his game column. Well, the now ad we think. haven't changed in ages, so the ad still is like me telling Brian to call him. I hope you've done so by now. <laughs> it's like a 2018 or 2017 yeah. ad. All right. Yeah. So, do the, we have any other like miscellaneous takes? First or? down passing percentage in the first half was lower. Like the last couple of weeks has been over 60. Yeah. And it was five of 14, so about 36. percent I was, I, I was. But they were running the ball really the first, well. The first, the first drive, they start running the ball, and I'm like, "Hello, I missed you." Oh, was, yeah. I was like, "All right." <laughs> Someone was holding a monkey's paw and said, "You know, I really wish Michigan's ground game was going to go better." Yeah, <laughs> monkey paw girls. <laughs> it was, it was lovely to see it go. And, like, the power runs were great. and yeah. So are you concerned yeah, about yeah, that? Yeah. I mean, there were times, like, in the last couple of weeks where you're like, well, I don't know about this run game. And, like, you know, it's still probably kind of there. But do you well, feel better now? I mean, as soon as they shelved the outside zone. Well, they also ran play well. action twice in a row. And the second one was Roman Williams, uh, Wilson's touchdown. So, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, first, yeah. Down, first down play action forever. Yeah, I mean, you changed some decision from JJ in this game and it's like all right that's fine that's what I mean he did not have a good game but if he like you said if he makes the right read a couple of times and throws or he hits the Morris pass then like this is not even really that close and there's really nothing to fret about that's why in the beginning I asked you did you see many plays you didn't like and you're like yes and I was like I saw a few (laughs) that's not what I sound like yes Dave (laughs) I I don't sound like so many plays (laughs) Don't sound, Unhappy. Don't sound like I have a stoma and I'm speaking I'm through like the video thing games. Holding it. <laughs> that's what you sound like. That's what. You, that's your. Apparently, impression that's what you sound. Like. No, no. I'm. I have a sonorous voice. We're gonna take a break. This has gone off the rails. 
The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high-quality and low-latency communication functionality, the video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute. They will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OG. Original geeks of programmable communication. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. Here's a thing people say. Seth, tell me about your insurance. I'm actually glad you asked me about that because I just changed my insurance and I'm really happy I did. Let me guess. You use Phil Klein and Owen Rosen of the Phil Klein Insurance Group. They are MGO blog readers and they don't advertise during football games. And they've got a five-star rating on anything you would care to see. Call Owen at 248-682-7445 or visit them online at philkleininsurance.com. One and two and... If you find yourself on the wrong side of the law, you want a Michigan man in the huddle. Call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul at 248-924-9458 or visit his website at michiganlawgrad.com. John is a proud graduate of the University of Michigan Ross School of Business and Michigan Law School. He looks forward to showing you the Michigan difference. Hey, fellow Michigan fans, this is Matt Demarest, Realtor and Lender. For a decade now, you've heard me on the podcast talk about mortgages, and I've helped hundreds of fellow Michigan fans in that capacity, including Brian and Seth. But many of you don't know I'm a real estate broker as well. I promise to make buying, selling, or financing homes simple and cost-effective anywhere in the state of Michigan. Whether you're upsizing, downsizing, buying a vacation home, or building a real estate investment portfolio, send me a text or give me a call. It's never too early to make a plan, and the call is always free. My number is 734-882-8194. Again, 734-882-8194. Or you can find me online at realtorandlender.com. That's realtorandlender.com. Whether you want to buy, sell, or finance a home, or even all three, I promise to provide the experience so many of you have come to expect over the years. And as always, thank you, and go blue. NMLS 1011726, Equal Housing Lender.
Welcome to Jamie Mack of JustCoverBlog.com. How are you doing, Jamie? I'm doing well, guys. I can't help but feel like uh, I'm in mid-season form already because I was up till past 2, 2 a.m. watching uh, Pac-12 After Dark. And before that, my evening was spent uh, returning texts from cranky friends and relatives because Michigan didn't play perfect. So I feel like I feel like football season has now hit us. <laughs> Yes, sir. All right, we are going to start with Rutgers 35, Virginia Tech 16. Rutgers is, of course, Michigan's opponent next week. You may be thinking, Rutgers 35, that's a lot of points. I bet they passed for many yards. Nope. Gavin Wims at 7-16 for 46 <laughs> yards. But uh, Kyle Manangai goes for a buck 43 on just 16 carries, and Wimsett adds 87 yards on the ground. Um, the uh, Virginia Tech Hokies have fallen on tough times. Starting their backup quarterback who uh, throws for 190 yards on 32 attempts uh, and has a horrible, horrible turnover uh, that sets Mich- uh, Rutgers up for their first touchdown. And we are here uh, with an undefeated Rutgers facing us down. Yes, coming off a win against a Power of Five opponent where their quarterback averaged 2.9 yards per pass. That's, that's awesome. The Hokies actually outgained him 319 to 302. But they needed 21 more plays to do that. So Rutgers had a pretty sizable six to 4.5 yards per play advantage. Yeah. So the uh, AP article on this says Gavin Wimsett continued his trajectory as a dual threat quarterback for Rutgers, which is one more threat than he actually provides. (laughs) That's that's a sentence, at least, I'll say, right? It had a subject, had a predicate, there was a verb in there. That was definitely. Definitely a sentence. They, they, you referenced the horrible Virginia Tech turnover that was on their first drive of the game, set them up for a, a quick, uh, you know, nineteen-yard touchdown drive. Um, their next eleven drives were pretty bad. They had five three and outs and two first down and outs over their next nine drives, rather I should say. Then they finally got it going again in the in the fourth quarter. But what they really did in this game was they hit a couple big running plays in third and short. They had a Third and four, and a Gavin Winsett ripped off a 37-yard touchdown. And then to ice the game when it was uh, still a one-score game, they had a third and two, and Menungai ripped off uh, a run off the edge for 55 yards. Looked a little bit like the Blake Corm run at the end of the first half in the Maryland game last year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the offense they needed. But what edge? Virginia Tech just had no – like, they were not defending the edge. No. And, like, that was just – that was one of many plays where, like, the the cornerback – you know, takes a drag, and there's just nobody, absolutely nobody on the edge. And yeah. Rutgers gets swallowed on the, like one of their early run plays uh, because they're all diving inside, and they're like, okay, Kyle, bounce. And that's what they did. He can do that. He, he's, he's good at that. Um, you know, when you rewatch this game in preparation for the Michigan game this week, you almost have to recalibrate your entire mindset towards Virginia Tech because – they have, not only have they fallen off, but you know you would think that they would still have a capable defense that could shut uh, Rutgers down. But they were a full touchdown underdog in this game, and they obviously did not cover the spread. Yeah, they've they've changed their defense from. I mean, they were the quarters defense, they, like even more so than Michigan State. Virginia Tech like owned that t- that type of defense, and one of the things that that defense was so good at is they just had sound cornerbacks, and that is, it it was jarring. Like you said, to like recalibrate your Virginia Techness because, like everything that I've learned about Virginia Tech is like their cornerbacks. They found Mikey Samerstills all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know, and 
Getting back to Rutgers on the defensive end, you know, Virginia Tech doesn't come to the table with a lot. You mentioned they had their backup quarterback, but their defense is playing really well. And in yesterday's game, they had a defender at each level grayed out in the high 70s at PFF. Aaron Lewis, our old friend at defensive end, graded out high, five tackles, four pressures. Tyreen Powell, linebacker, had five run stops. That's a that's a that's a stop of two yards or less on a run play. And Flip Dixon, the Minnesota transfer. Uh, in their secondary, had an interception, a pass breakup, and uh, only gave up two catches for 11 yards. We'll talk about Minnesota later, but, boy, they really could have used him yesterday. <laughs> Will uh, you tell Brian that uh, Aaron Lewis can play against the run now because he does not believe it after watching last year's I charted that game. It's, it's well, the two, the, two games, the two games that I think will find its way on Aaron Lewis's highlight package was yesterday's game against Virginia Tech and that Nebraska game last year when they couldn't block him on passing down. So, I mean, I would like to see a little bit more film on that, but he's certainly a dangerous pass rusher right now. And you're not helping me when you're in a passing down against Rutgers, you have to account for him. (laughs) Thanks, Jamie. All right. Moving on to the funniest game of the week. That would be Washington 41, Michigan state seven. It was actually worse than that. (laughs) Cause it was was, was, 35, nothing at halftime. Michigan state gives up. 713 yards, which is the worst in program history. I do appreciate wow. that their previous worst in program history was 666. To Washington? <laughs> no, to Nebraska. Oh, The last time they faced Penix, the same thing happened to them. Not as bad. So yeah. Penix's box score in this one is, <laughs> it's, my God, uh, 27 to 35 for 473 yards, four touchdowns, and no interception. That's Wow, Jamie, that's the greatest court. That's the greatest quarterback in Indiana football history, right there for you guys. Probably, yeah. He had a twenty point four EPA compared to Noah Kim's minus fourteen point two four. That's that's quite a difference. You stole my line at the top. That forty one seven. This the game was not as close as the score indicated. Can I tell you my favorite stat of the game? Sure. Michigan State gained two hundred and sixty one total yards. Washington. Gained 261 yards after the catch. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, on the Michigan State side of things, Noah Kim goes 12 of 31 for a buck 36 and one interception. Uh, Kattenhauser comes in late and uh, manages to get them on the board with a touchdown. He he hits a long one after the backups have been in for a, a long time. Uh, Nate Carter, they're running back 17 attempts, 48 yards, along a nine. They could do absolutely nothing in this game. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, Washington comes in. They're supposed to be uh, elite offense. We don't really know a whole lot about their defense, and this just looks like a, just a complete washout. Yeah, totally. Michigan State, on their first seven drives of the game, averaged only 14 yards per possession. Meanwhile, Washington, on their Seven first drives, averaged 52 yards possession, and scored five touchdowns. One more nugget on on uh, on Penix's game. He had over 350 yards at halftime and over four touchdown passes at halftime, and the only people who've done that in college football, I got this from the game broadcast, were Joe Burrow, C.J. Stroud, Trevor Lawrence, and Patrick Mahomes. So from a singular game standpoint, that's some pretty good company. So but I would like to see defenses those teams did that against because this defense, well, really the whole team, they looked they looked untalented and they looked like they haven't been coached in weeks, and I wonder why. So who was actually coaching the team? Was it Harlan Barnett, the defensive backs coach? Yes. Or was it 
Mark D'Antonio, no, Mark the legendary D- defense backs coach. Mark, Mark, I mean, Mark D'Antonio didn't have a headset on. He was just kind of observing. <laughs> he got a standing ovation. Well, yeah, of course. Um, so from the Michigan State perspective, this was going to be like the uh, – we got a rally around the flag game, right? Mm-hmm. Our coach is gone. We got Mark D'Antonio back. Like, if, if we're ever we going to come together as a team. Harlan Barnett is going to lead us into the well, future. No, but, like, you know, there's there's – stories of teams that are able to like you know really bond and overcome adversity and like dead cat bounce their way to something decent michigan won a basketball national championship that way right and and this was not that (laughs) (laughs) this was michigan state looking like everybody wanted to go home from about the second drive right and 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 you know the michigan basketball comparison that that was a very talented team arguably one of the more talented rosters in the country back then this michigan state football team Maybe bottom three talent-wise right now in the Big Ten, let alone the country. So I, I just don't think they have um, have a lot going for them. Um, well, as soon as sixty-one total yards yesterday, but ninety-nine of them, thirty-eight percent, came on the very last drive of the game. Yeah. So, just so another the, stat that indicates that this was way more of a blowout than forty-one-seven. Yeah. The the their their yards are completely yeah on all the third stringers. Yeah. And watching Kim finally get in a game against like a real defense it was oh. and yeah. he like looks he was, tiny well he's he's tiny he's he not looked, athletic he and he yeah. he was missing guys by five yards he's yeah. overthrowing everybody um <clears throat> as soon as he gets moved off his spot he his accuracy goes out the out the window and then you're watching this guy and you're like how bad is hauser like this right. guy is- or do they just not want to ruin hauser no yeah. it, if if they if they thought hauser could win them a game this year, they'd be playing him. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I mean, I agree. I, the, the offensive line is god awful again. But like, have, how, how and, is Hauser going to be on campus next year? Is any are any of these guys going to be on campus next year? Yeah. I mean, the, apparently some people knew to get out ahead of time. So well, their their touted A and M transfer just like is is out. Yeah, gone already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and so. as far as rallying around the flag, we're kind of. One part into the same two-part story from last year. Remember, Washington and Maryland just put these guys on the ropes in back-to-back weeks, and they have Tungavaloa and Maryland next weekend. So it's not going to get any easier as far as trying to corral a somewhat high-octane passing attack. This might be an interesting week because it's four games into the season. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And there, could, there could be some guys who are like, um, I'm going to preserve my year of eligibility. Yeah. yeah. We'll, see. we'll see what happens. There's a... The wheels might come off in a in a major way for Michigan State. <sighs> yeah, I totally I totally agree. And you know, to some extent, wasn't that outcome expected? They were sixteen and a half point underdogs yesterday. I don't think anybody really expected them to go the distance with Washington. But this was over. This was this game was over before I even realized it had started. You know, yeah. it was like a weird five fifteen kickoff time. All of a sudden, on the bottom of my screen, it was fourteen nothing Washington. I'm like, what? Hey, wait, it, maybe I need to adjust and get this on, well, <laughs> could, or maybe not. But if they had lost by 17 points, you'd be like, okay, and they're not good, but they're, right, they're right. present. To give up 700 yards of offense, yeah. to collect essentially 150 before the last drive of the game, yeah, like this didn't look like a bad team. This looked like one of the worst teams in the Power Five. Well, it was on so, Peacock, so I think most people didn't even see it. Well, there you go. Uh, all right, moving on to Maryland 42, Virginia 14. This looked 
uh, slightly grim for Maryland early in the game where they were turning the ball over and uh, Tungavailolo looked off. It was 14-7 to into the second quarter, and then Maryland blows the doors off. Uh, Tungavailolo goes for 342 yards. Uh, the uh, opposition quarterback uh, has a pretty solid day statistically, but also throws three picks, and... He uh, Tagovailoa really spreads the ball around. So one of the interesting things about Maryland is they don't really seem to have like a number one, number one receiver. Like, mm-hmm. Jeshon Jones mm-hmm. is probably that, mm-hmm. but they have uh, Corey Dykes is back. They have uh, a couple other guys who are getting frequently targeted, and uh, this looks like a functional passing game, which is a rarity in the Big Ten. Yeah. Their offensive line isn't great, but it's serviceable. Like, well, so they do the thing that the Chiefs were doing against the Lions, where they they line that tackle like two yards behind the line of scrimmage, which is illegal, but like so undercalled in they were, all levels they of football. Were cheating, <laughs> and uh, and what and what that does is that ends any uh, outside rush, and then when you try to go inside, it's an opportunity for the quarterback to go running around. So there were a lot of um, I when I used to chart Maryland, I would uh, call it Tata time because he just goes running around and there was one I think he took like a 30 yard sack on one of those plays there's another one where he ends up throwing it and it's a I think a three yard catch after all the running around mm-hmm. uh, so he kind of reverted to his bad ways again there's another time when they were in the red zone and I think they got knocked back again so this is more of like a sophomore uh, Tango Veloa uh, game than it well, was that, a uh... senior one that first sack you referenced where he where he ran around and then was taken down, I mean, that was like an 18-yard loss, and that took them out of field goal range. Their field goal kicker can really boot it, you know, so yeah. and that's a little bit different than some of the past years of, of Maryland, but that, that took them right out of scoring range. Um, so, yeah, I, that was a little bit of a problem. The other problem they have is just slow starts. Second week in a row, they were a big, big favorite, and they fall into a 14 nothing hole, and it took the better part of the game for them to catch up and pu- and pull away. And and the key moment in this game was it was 21-14 Maryland, and Virginia was going in for the tying touchdown, mm-hmm. but uh, their quarterback threw an interception in the end zone. And from that point on, Maryland kind of dominated. They sort of used big plays and turnovers, big plays and turnovers, kept alternating in the fourth <clears throat> quarter. And that's what, that's what let them run this score up to what I think what was the final, like 42-14? Yeah, I think Virginia's, yeah. Virginia's defense kind of gave up the ghost. It was one of those teams where, like, okay, if our quarterback's going to throw an interception every single time, well, why am I trying so hard? But when they were hanging in there, they were actually playing with them. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Speaking of... Uh, the quarterback throwing interception every time. Penn State 30, Illinois 13. This game was 13 to 7 at halftime. Uh-huh. And uh despite the lopsided final score, uh this probably is more concerning than relieving to to Penn State fans because uh they mostly got points in the first half due to Luke Altmeyer throwing horrendous interceptions and they really struggled to run the ball so uh Catron Allen and Nick Singleton between them 24 carries uh <clears throat> 91 yards and that includes some of the gashing runs they had at the end when again Illinois had just okay our quarterback's throwing a gazillion interceptions I just want to shout out the Illinois fan who was at services last night I saw you and I, I, I saw your pain <laughs> well <laughs> or you so, doing the yeah so Aller goes 16 to 33 for 208 yards, no picks, no touchdowns. And his uh, highest 
uh, yardage receiver is Singleton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know Illinois has a good defensive line, but they're coming off a game where they got shredded by Kansas. And Jalen Daniels is a completely different puzzle than, than Drew Aller. Drew Aller is a pocket passer. Jalen Daniels is, is very mobile. Mm-hmm. So, But if you're looking at this game from the perspective of a Michigan fan, you're seeing what Jerzon Newton did to them, and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. Michigan can do that to them. And, yeah, you know, absolutely. Like Fashanu got a couple of holding calls in this game, I think. He did not look like a top 10 pick, and their interior line got beat up. Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah. While while Newton is probably better than any individual defensive tackle Michigan has, mm-hmm. I think Michigan's duo of defensive tackles, trio sometimes, is yeah. at least equal with Illinois. So f- I came away from this expecting that Penn State is probably not going to move the ball against Michigan very much. Yeah, I came away with the same assessment. You know, so Newton, both their guards really struggled with Newton. There was there were a couple plays in a goal line situation where Nelson, the left guard, got blown up twice by Newton, and the play got strung out. Both plays got strung out. They went nowhere, and they had to kick a field goal. And then later in the game, their uh, their other guard, um, Sal Wormley, gave up a couple pressures to Newton. And I, I had the exact same thought. It's like, well, Newton is the best defensive lineman in the Big Ten, if not the country. But may I give you Chris Jenkins on one side and Mason Graham on the other? And even when they play Ohio State, you know, they, they, they bring some talent on the front, more than just one guy, um, if you will. And, you know, I agree with you as well with uh, with their left tackle. I'm going to screw up his name because I don't have a written Hold down. The oh. Yeah, I mean, every time I hone in on him, he's getting put on his backside or like you pointed out, he had a couple holdings um, yesterday and Illinois edge players came into this game really struggling. And Seth Coleman, I thought balled out and it was because they couldn't block him. And, and, you know, I think Michigan's edge players are better. Well, we've talked a lot about Michigan trying to like double major in outside zone and how it's just like, they're not built for it. And it's, it, it's too hard to do that. Penn state has been trying to do the same thing, but they're making outside zone their main thing. And not only do they not have the guys to do it, like they're good luck. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. you, you know, we said like Michigan's going to have you know their duo. They got four guys because once you give Rashawn Benny an opportunity to stop outside zone, that's what he's built for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, from the Illinois perspective, this is depressing because Altmaier throws four picks, most of them unforced. Yeah, all of yeah. them really ugly, and then this- they can't move the ball on the ground at all and it's just it doesn't look like they're going to do anything this year yeah i mean early on those first couple of picks i was like well altmeyer is probably a little gun shy because they have not pass protected for him at all yet this whole season but he was just bailing way too fast you got to trust your teammates a little bit more they shifted their they, they shifted their entire offensive line for this game and it didn't look like altmeyer was willing to trust that um either and uh just to put statistical point on their pass protection i'm going to list off four of their starters three game cumulative pass protection grades from pro football focus isaiah adams their best lineman probably 45.4 uh josh geske 43.9 julian pearl their left tackle 43.7 and ty chrysler their right tackle the first two games and they moved to right guard yesterday 21.8 they gave up 23 pressures yesterday, seven from the left tackle, uh, Pearl, and five from the right tackle, Adams, who'd been shifted out from an interior spot. 
This is uh, Toledo, Kansas, Penn State. That's actually a good three, you know, a good trio of teams. But I think this is also going to be competition invariant as the season goes on because they don't seem to have any answers up front protecting the passer. So much for Wisconsin light, man. John Paddock down the stretch because Altmaier is probably going to get killed. Yep. So, I mean, Illinois' brief renaissance appears to be – they're not Wisconsin anymore. That was the whole thing. If you're going to get Bielema, why aren't you being Wisconsin? That would work. Well, it's tough when you don't have an offense line. Yeah. Moving on. Can we just circle back to Penn State just for one quick moment? Sure. They scored 20 points off of five turnovers. They won the game by 17, but three drives in a row started at the Illini 43, the Illini 22, and their own 49 after turnovers. They only got 13 points off that. They could have run away with this game early had they cashed that out. And then to start the second half, here were their first three drives to start the second half. Three plays, five yards, punt. Three plays, four yards, punt. Five plays, 16 yards, punt. This was still a 16-7 game at that point. So I think their offense has a has a lot, lot to work out. And they play Iowa's defense next Saturday. So that'll be kind of fun. Yeah, uh, moving on to Louisville 21, Indiana 14. Louisville hops out to a 21-0 lead. Indiana makes it close, and uh, they get a goal line. Uh, Louisville gets a goal line stop with four minutes left to preserve the margin of victory. It does seem like Indiana has found a, a quarterback in uh, – what's his first name? He's uh, – Tavion. Tavion. Tavion Jackson. Oh, Tav- yeah. Tavion Jackson. With, uh, Tracy Jackson Davis, his little brother. Yeah, so he goes 24-34 for 299 yards, one pick, one touchdown. The only I, note of concern, I guess, from his performance is that he targets Jalen Lucas, a running back, 10 times – uh, for 10 catches and 98 yards. So this really feels like it's all around the line of scrimmage, and it might be a little bit uh, questionable when he starts going further downfield. Yeah, you know, and when he does go further downfield, one thing I noticed is I uh, remember our old friend Taco Pants. So apparently his kid plays at Indiana because every time Tavion throws it downfield, I mean, he is just skying it over the receiver's head. He was really lucky to not throw, like, three picks in the first half off of receiver's fingertips. It, it was uh, – it was a little a little, little dicey there. Um, the play of the game, Indiana had a chance to tie it when they were down 21-14. They went for it on a fourth and goal at the one, and they tried power run, and it did not work, guys. It did not work. And they never got the ball back after that. Yeah, so, I mean, given what we had seen from Indiana earlier in this year, this probably qualifies as encouraging. Uh, but they absolutely could not run the ball at all. No. They, between the Ohio State and Louisville games, their tailbacks are averaging 2.9 yards per rush, and they've only converted six first downs running the football combined in those two games. I mean, the, the scouting report on these guys preseason was their offensive line is just coming back from maybe the worst all-time in the Big Ten, and Lucas is the only thing they've got, and he's kind of a gadget player, so like throwing the ball to him is not that weird. And that's, that's the only thing that looked like it was going to be working preseason so mm-hmm. i mean any signs of life they did pick up wisconsin's old offensive line coach so there was some hope that they would learn how to block but i don't think it's happening until he gets some players in you know you know who else i think they have on this team remember christian turner yes yes he's a he's, he's like the third string running back on this team, and he hasn't had a fumble since michigan by the way so oh, he had like his whole career at wake forest and not have any fumbles after was it three of them at michigan <sighs> well you know it happens yeah all right moving on to minnesota 13 north carolina 31 
Uh, Calic Manis, 11 of 29, 133, one interception. They did get a game from Darius Taylor, uh, their running back, uh, 22 attempts, 138 yards, along a 28, so it's not like there was one run in there that mm-hmm. changed his equation. So previously when we were talking about Minnesota, it was like, how, they, they can't run the ball. Who are you? Yeah, what, what is even going on? So at least they kind of – Got a little bit going there, but Drake May shreds their secondary for 414 yards on 40 attempts. Two touchdowns, two picks, um, so there was a little bit. (laughs) And uh, Nate McCollum, the uh, UNC wide receiver, gets 20 targets in this game. 15 receptions, a buck 65 in the air. So that's uh, more targets than (laughs) Tyler Morris might get all year. Um, (laughs) But... I don't know how if this really changes our equation on what we think the Minnesota game is going to be because it didn't look like they were really all that. And honestly, if their running back goes for 150 yards or something against a UNC, yeah, while their quarterback can't complete half his passes and is averaging five yards in attempt, what's that going to look like against Michigan? Yeah, ten points. And the the big tw- the twenty eight yard run should have been bottled up. It was a linebacker jumping out of his gap. So it well, was I'm like not, I'm not going to say that's not going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> for Michigan. Yeah, I right? mean, so far so good. But like, like my point was they um, they have not fixed the running game. I don't think. I don't think that this game changed the paradigm. If they're, I, I think that they're. It's obvious that they should not be a passing team. And the fears after the first week that were maybe allayed by the second week are probably more towards the first week of the reality. Well, the one thing I would say is Taylor is a true freshman. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's possible that there's like a Mike Hart situation going on where it's like he's clearly better than the rest of the running backs on the roster, but it yeah. took him three weeks to get there. He is from Detroit, so. Well, they need they needed Taylor. He had 193 yards against Eastern Michigan the week before. And, uh, you know, it's not just replacing Mo Ibrahim. They've lost three very talented running backs the last couple off seasons, Trey Potts, Marquise Irving, Kai Thomas. So their depth chart was pretty, pretty deleted with running back. They, they, they needed Taylor's legs, but I mean, even Calc Manis, two games against power five opponents, 4.4 yards per pass against Nebraska, 4.6 yards per cast against North Carolina. I mean, this isn't Iowa's defense though. That's not Michigan's defense. Um, they can't protect them uh, up the middle. Those in those linemen they have in the in their their guards in their center are all awful. I haven't looked well, at what they are in PFF, but like every game I've watched them, it's like even Eastern Michigan yeah. was getting them in the pass rush. Well, Fleck, Fleck threw out a true freshman at guard in the middle of the game yesterday. They were struggling <laughs> so much. So um, I thought that was kind of interesting. But Minnesota, if you even include the Eastern Michigan game where he kind of had a Tanner. Uh, Tanner Morgan stat line. They're only averaging five yards per pass on the season. That's dead last in the Big Ten. That's a half yard worse than Northwestern in 13th place. That's two full yards worse than Wisconsin in ninth place. According to PFF gradings, he has zero big time throws versus six turnover worthy plays. Now, eight drops, that's not helping him. But, you know, I don't want to bury the kid this early in his career, but part of me is leaving this early part of the season wondering. If Calc Manis is not PJ Flex Graham Mertz, and, and I'll tell you why. One, the dismal stats that that I just um, that that I just spoke of. Two, the hype. Remember Graham Mertz, four-star quarterback, best quarterback prospect Wisconsin's ever had. 
Calic Mass didn't have that recruiting profile, but Fleck has said all the time this offseason that he's going to be the first gopher drafted at quarterback in the NFL draft, and I don't know how long. And then just thirdly, it was Graham Mertz or Buss there by the end for Paul Christ and company. They don't have anybody backing him up. He had to go out for a play, and they still bring in Cole Kramer as the backup, who's basically a wildcat. He threw the ball once, and it was an interception. It was actually – I don't even understand why – they let Kramer throw deep. They were still in the game at that point, 21 to 13, and they, they never got closer. They were in scoring range. But so all three of those factors, you know, they're sinking or swimming with Cal Kamanis, And if they keep sinking, he's going to have to hit the transfer portal, I think, this offseason, or they're just going to keep going in the wrong direction. Because otherwise, I think things are looking good. I think the defense, despite all those passing yards they gave up, I think they held in there. They got a couple picks that kind of turned the game around a little bit in the middle portion of the game. But I, I just, I'm just getting Graham Mertz vibes out of Calicamanus here in the early going. But we'll see. Uh, moving on to Nebraska 35, Northern oh. Illinois 11. Heinrich Harburg comes off the uh, the bench. Uh, Sims, Jeff Sims uh, has an ankle injury. I'm using the air quotes. Right. Very <laughs> visual podcast moment here, D. Uh, Harburg is a Nebraska native who wasn't even on the travel roster late last year uh-huh. and uh, played at a 160-person high school. So, of course, he comes off the bench, goes 14-24, 158 yards, two, pick, two touchdowns, no picks. And then the interesting thing is 21 rushes yeah. for 98 yards. They were running they, – they, their first uh, drive, they run like the old triple – the old – the fake – was it the – And the football gods came down and blessed Nebraska. They indeed, They did indeed. And then did you hear his quote after the game? He's, I did not. He's like, I fluctuate between. They asked him how big he is, and like, you know, I fluctuate between like two hundred five and two twenty, but I play like I'm two thirty. Okay. I'm like, dude. <laughs> so they, they, well, they Jeff they, Sims. Jeff Sims is playing at plus two thirty. I think he's at two thirty five. So he's definitely smaller than Sims by a long shot. But he, large... I, I mean, it's it's hard not to. <laughs> I can't imagine that they're going to play Sims anymore after this. Well. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, they keep saying that Harburg is the uh, first scholarship quarterback out of the state of Nebraska since 2001, but that's just sort of a polite way of saying Nebraska doesn't grow quarterbacks in that state because he had no recruiting profile. Brian, you just mentioned he wasn't on the travel squad last year. I didn't know that until just now. I think that's I – don't, I don't really think he's the future answer, but – he doesn't drop snaps and throw the ball to the other team. That, that'll give them a fighting chance, right? Well, and then the other thing about this game is I know it's just northern Illinois, but they put up like 150 yards of offense in this game. Rocky Lombardi, 11-28 for 73 yards and a pick, and they get about a total of 20, 30 rushing yards. Yeah. So we yeah. saw from the first two games that this defense was salty against teams that were – power five teams mm-hmm. and then they kind of fell apart late in games because they were like well jeff sims is just gonna lose this game for us anyway right and we're tired but if their quarterback is just mediocre i mean this game this team can win some games yeah you know they they had some years there under frost where the defense was salty enough where if the quarterback was just mediocre they would have won a few more games um they're sitting at 4.2 yards per plate allowed so far which is fourth in the big 10 and I mentioned last week they've never finished better than 5.3 since they joined the league. And um, in the 14-team Big Ten, they've never finished better than eighth in yards per play allowed. So through a quarter of the season, they're 
showing pretty well on that side of the ball. Now, I don't think they have a lot of depth. So Nebraska is a team where you have to kind of keep watching to see if players uh, are getting hurt, you know, because they, they could be a different unit come November. But Michigan has them in two weeks. So I think this defense is going to look a lot similar personnel-wise in two weeks than they have so far. So, Well, they're that, running a three-three-five uh, now. Mm-hmm. Yep, so yep. all the – Tony White, a Rocky Lawn disciple. All the like four oh four tight stuff we've seen through the non conference is probably gonna continue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So doesn't necessarily feel like Michigan has great answers for that yet. Because their answer for it was supposed to be outside zone. Yeah. And then they mm-hmm. ditched it. So yeah. we're gonna have to see exactly how that they prepare in the next couple weeks. Just run JJ outside a few times, guys. That's all you have to do. <laughs> we'll see. I'm gonna mention uh I kind of want to mention one more thing on a positive note about Nebraska. It's just three games, you know, and they haven't played their Big Ten schedule yet, obviously, but they seem to have turned some of their pressure metrics around. Last year, they were allowing 14 pressures a game throughout through three games this year. They're only allowing eight pressures a game. And defensively, they were getting 13 pressures a game last year. They're averaging over 19 pressures a game so far through three games. So... It's That's just a different different vibe, man. It's it's it's, I yeah. I mean, I don't think it's like the players have changed that much. I don't think they're actually that much better players. But like Nebraska's problem was vibes, and like there's still some Scott Frost this team. They came out in the first offensive play with only ten players. There's still a lot of Scott Frost there in there, but like. Harburg is in there, and you don't have to be a great quarterback, like Brian says. Just be like a functional guy, and like. He's doing it by like extending the the reads to like extending the mesh to like make that really difficult, and that's going to get you a consistent five yards if you're doing that well. And that's what those linemen were built for. They've got like big, huge dudes who are not that that agile. So like they're running now what they're supposed to be running. I think they found a quarterback who was not going to have the ceiling that Sims had, but they don't need the ceiling. They need the floor. And then, like yeah. Brian said, like just play salty on defense. I like their secondary a lot. I think they've got more depth than we give them credit for. I think, you know, they lost Ernest Hausman, but they Hausman was playing last year because two of the linebackers were injured, and both those guys are in and playing well. So like, they have some players. Yeah, and Sims' ceiling is just sort of – Elite rushing. You might not get the elite rushing out of Harburg. I think he was like 11 for 16 success rate against Minnesota in the opener. Um, I don't care. He's he's making the rest because his mesh read is making himself open enough to get the first down. And after that, you can run another play. Yeah, that's fair. And what I was going to say is I think Harburg can match that efficiency. He's just not going to maybe have the big plays that Sims has. But if you can keep moving the ball down the field and not turning it over, as we've said, that's already a big improvement. Yeah, uh, moving on to Syracuse 35, Purdue 20. Relatively even game in the box score. Uh, per, uh, Purdue's problem is they let Garrett Schrader go all Denard on him. Yeah. 14 to 28, 184 yards in the air, one pick. 25 rushes for 195 yards on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to be the uh, Shaq meme here. I, I'm sorry, Garrett Schrader. I didn't know that. Didn't know much about your game. <laughs> uh, Hudson Card has a real nice day. 32 of 46, 323 in the air, one touchdown, one pick. But Purdue goes back to kind of the old Purdue, and they can't run the ball at all. They're down a touchdown or two, uh, basically the whole game until they miss an extra point, and then they're down a touchdown and an extra point. So. <coughs> This is not a Ryan Walters defense yet. It's going to be a process to get there. 
their offense seems to be traditionally Purdue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's already been a little bit of a roller coaster for Purdue this year. You know, Fresno State beat him, then they look good against Virginia Tech. Run defense was looking positive, and then they get shredded against uh, against uh, Syracuse. They Schrader killed them on scrambles. He had 15 yards on a third and 10 scramble. He had a 35-yard touchdown run on a third and 15 scramble. Uh, he converted a third and eight with a 10-yard scramble. He also had three other runs of 15 yards or more, including a 28-yard touchdown run. Um, just sort of <laughs> kind of an incredible effort. I mean, the first two games, it was Virginia Tech and Fresno State wide receivers running free in the secondary with missed tackles. In this game, it was it was the quarterback just on scrambles and design runs, just gashing him over and over again. Syracuse averaged .36 EPA per rush, and Purdue was minus .33 EPA per rush. That that says it all right there. All right. Uh, Purdue we also had trouble once again, like they have in each of their first two games, in short yardage situation. Remember the Fresno State sequences twice? They couldn't convert. Um, last week against Virginia Tech, they failed on a third and one and a fourth and one against um, Syracuse on their first drive of the game. Second and one from the four, they tried Tracy stuffed. Third and one, they tried Maccabee stuffed. Fourth and one, they tried card and it didn't work. They've tried card in all sorts of ways to convert these short yardage situations. Sneaks, design quarterback runs, they haven't worked. Yesterday, they put him under center, snapped the ball, rolled him out like 10 to 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage, and then he decides to quarterback draw for a loss of three. Just, just awful. They're below 30% now. They were 33% at power success rate going into this game. That 0 for 3 probably knocked them below 30%. So that's been an issue for three games now. Uh, Wisconsin 35, Georgia Southern 14. This is not the uh, comfortable win that it kind of sounds like because Davis Brin, the Georgia Southern quarterback, turns the ball over six times. Uh, When not doing that, Georgia Southern actually pips Wisconsin in yardage 455 to 451. And this was a close game until, well, we'll say the middle of the third quarter um, where they actually have uh, Georgia State has a lead until Braylon Allen punches it in to tie it up at 14. And from there, the avalanche of turnovers is just too much for Georgia Southern to overcome. Yeah, at that point in the game when they were leading 14-7, to 7, Georgia, Georgia Southern held a 358 to 155 total yardage edge. So Wisconsin really gained some of that yardage edge in the last quarter and a half. Um, where do you want to start? We can talk about welcome back havoc for Wisconsin. You know, last week we were like, wow, no turnovers, and they've only sacked the quarterback four times. Well, six turnovers and five sacks yesterday. Um, including a lot of work from their outside linebackers, Peterson and C.J. Getz. We talked about that last week, that the the traditional outside linebacker edge pieces for Wisconsin weren't getting involved. Well, that, that changed yesterday. Or we could just talk about Tanner Mordecai, who ended up with nice stats, 19 for 30 for 236 yards, seven yards per pop. That's, that's okay, but I want to focus on a five-drive stretch from the second quarter till the early third quarter. And this is when the game was not going well for Wisconsin. One for 10, seven yards, two rushes for nine yards. So that's and four three and outs and one first down and out. So that's 12 Tanner Mordecai dropbacks or runs on a five-drive stretch. And frankly, some of those passes, uh, there were some failed interceptions there. Some balls went off, some fingertips, 
this game could have gone sideways really fast for Wisconsin in that stretch. And then in the middle of the third quarter, it was like Lord Alvarez came down somewhere and was like, stop it. Give the ball to Braylon Allen. Give the ball to Ches Malusi. Turn the outside linebackers loose. And the whole game finally went went the Badgers' way. But, I, you know, middle of the third quarter, I was pulling up the Georgia Southern-Nebraska box score from last year to kind of compare Because remember, they beat the Huskers a year ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this is just another game this year where, where like, or this week where if the opposition quarterback was not just trying to give the ball away every single time he had it. Yeah. Like how there, I think Bryn had, uh, what was it? Six turnovers. Yes. And, and like there could have been three or four more. Like he was, yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think one or two of the turnovers gave Wisconsin some great field position, but most of those turnovers came on drives where they had, gotten a few first downs, moved into Wisconsin territory. I know one they were actually in scoring range. And it just seemed like the game played out where Georgia Southern would, Bryn would hit a couple passes, and then he'd try for another one, and there would be just three Wisconsin guys on his own defense you know, <laughs> surrounding his intended receiver. It would be an easy, easy interception. They also missed a short field goal at the end of the first half, so they could have been up even even more before things went, went wrong for them. But um, so I thought – it was a blowout final score, but overall kind of kind of uneven for Wisconsin. And they play Purdue next Friday night, and I don't know what to expect out of either of those two teams. So that will be actually kind of fascinating in that regard. Is, is the winner of that game the the winner of the Big Ten West? Good no. I mean, stop. <laughs> uh, similar vibe for uh, Iowa 41, Western Michigan 10. This is 14-10 Iowa at halftime. Cade McNamara's line in this game, 9-19 for 103 yards, two touchdowns, and two picks. Look what they've done to my boy. Uh, LaShawn, Williams, about you. LaShawn Williams goes for buck 45 on just 12 carries. They have a couple other running backs chip in efficient days. So they really ground up Western Michigan on the, on the ground, and then you put that cover two against a Mac quarterback. And uh, the starter goes 5 of 16 for 124 yards. They bring in a backup who completes two passes for a total of negative two yards. That's bad. They get one long pass uh, of 64 yards to score early in the game, and then they do absolutely nothing the rest of the game on offense. So that Iowa defense looks like it's ready for Big Ten play. The offense, uh, I don't know. And and they blocked a punt, so they are fully Iowa again. Yeah, they blocked a punt. Yeah, yeah. For safety. Yeah. For safety. That was one of my three notes here is the defense special teams got two points for Brian Ferentz's cause. <laughs> um, and also for Brian Ferentz's cause, I think Iowa punched in a late touchdown in the they, fourth quarter. They all, did. They all did. The Iowa bloggers and Iowa columnists are writing stories about, like, how that's good and – it's just you know. Well, that's why the hilarious. Michigan game was delayed 15 minutes. Well, this game was delayed, so they they had a they delayed during the game. And then Michigan's game is waiting to start, and we're all sitting there watching Iowa slowly approach the like, and like they could have kneeled it. That they were at the point where they could have kneeled it and been done with the game. But no, they got a score for Brian. So there you go. And I think the biggest news of the game, uh, and it's really bad news for Iowa, is Luke Lachey went out on the first possession of the game and it is not looking good. There are early reports of a broken leg and maybe out for the season. Um, That's a killer for this offense. I mean, he had no catches for no yards yesterday and he still has almost a third of the team's receiving yards. Um, You know, he's a big kid, six, six. The Iowa coaches have had so many great tight ends, but they think he's the best of the bunch as far as down the seam. And we've seen he and Cade in the first two games make those, connections but so 
it's time for Eric all to maybe take a bigger role, but they always like to play multiple tight ends and their other tight ends are just not experienced. They've got Addison Ostrenga, who's a true sophomore who caught his career number two and number three catches yesterday. And then they've got another tight end from the Patriot league who didn't even get a stat for Iowa last year. So now those are their number two and number three tight ends, and they are going to feature prominently. We'll see if they can even block. I, I have some doubts. Um, and then I guess I do want to mention Caleb Brown. Do we know who he is? The former Ohio State recruit? Yes. 100, yes, he was players. another one of the guys in the trio like, with J.J. He was, he was buddies with all those guys. So well, he and J.J. Know. and A.J. Henning, and like he used to practice with all those guys. Michigan was leading for him because he really liked Josh Gaddis. Okay, okay. And then Ohio State came and took him. Okay. That's his story. Okay. Well, you know, he transferred to Iowa, and there was obviously a lot of talk about Kate and Eric all, but you know, every article also mentioned Caleb Brown. He's going to be the wide receiver number one. He's going to answer all their questions. Zero targets yesterday. Two targets, no catches so far for 2023. Well, and all only he, he had one target he, he yesterday. He can't even get on the field? That just seems so bizarre to me. Well, and all had one target. Like, you're going to lose Luke Lachey, your Cade McNamara, and, like, maybe it's time to lock in on Eric All. I'm just saying, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we don't really need to discuss the last two games. Uh, Duke 38, Northwestern 14, Ohio State 63, Western Kentucky 10. I mean, I guess Ohio State did have an explosive offensive day, but, you know, they singled up Marvin Harrison with no safety help. So what were you expecting? WKU does not play defense. I was just like, what what are are we doing? Yeah. OSU fans finally got the explosive plays they wanted, but it was probably against one of the worst defenses in the country. It was 14 to 10 Buckeyes midway through the second quarter. Mm -hmm. Western Kentucky had had three drives, scored on two of them, averaged 50 yards per possession. And then Ohio State – had a nine-play stretch where they gained 220 yards to close out the second quarter, and it was over. Yeah, and so, so I think that's more Western Kentucky's defense than anything else. Yeah, I mean, the nature of those was like, oh, look, it's Marvin Harrison. He's open by 10 yards. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> what are we doing here? Yeah. Let's, once let's not do that, Josh Wallace. Yeah. And once Western Kentucky got behind, they started going for it aggressively on fourth down when they were still in their territory. That didn't help as well, so, you know. All right. Thank you, Jamie. We'll talk to you next week with a slate of games that is half as long as this one. Yeah, that was a lot of um, material to cover. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Thanks, Jamie. Yembo Podcast. I'm Seth Fisher, along with Brian Cook and David Nasternak. The Yembo Blog brand is a story brand driven by an omni-channel strategy. This approach fits the brand as it reflects Yembo Blog as a person and a professional. Authentic, dynamic, multifaceted, high impact, and resilient. Give us nine and a half million dollars a year. No!